you ever shit so hard and fast that like all the heat goes out of your body and then you're just freezing? Uh, we are recording. Fuck! Okay, welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. The world's strongest video game podcast. I am sitting here with the two meanest scoundrels from all of Crouch's End. Crouch End. That's Crouch, one of, end. Crouch End. Does not sound like a nasty British neighborhood. <laughs> I, I would have been like East Bashford. From East Bashford, it's the Cobbler. All right, mate. It's Brian. What are you walking down on? Because I'll walk down on you. You know what he cobbles? Your fucking guts, mate. To my right. (laughs) (laughs) The last of the Red Nancys. It's the Butcher. It's Neve. Oh, I love. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm from England. (laughs) I like pie. You fucking what, mate? You fucking what? I'll break you black and blue, mate. I'll burst you. I'll mince you up and put us in me pie. You're gonna wish you had no legs by the time we were done with you. And with you always, I am your host, Slice Rabbit. What do you think of that? Slice Rabbit is comforting yet not yeah that's kind of what mm-hmm. i was going i think that's a good one i think i think that's a better one than snake slice rabbit i'm probably only going to answer to that now but guys um do you know what i realized we haven't done for a while what we haven't like introduced ourselves properly so neve i want you to just like <laughs> <laughs> oh no just let the people know what you're all about leave nothing out go um uh, <clears throat> Hot potatoing it over to Brian. Nope, that's not how this works, Hot Neve. Potatoing it over to John. No, Neve. And we ladies will, and gentlemen, we will literally never move past this section though. Just, just all you have to do is just sum up your essence. But like, don't. Okay. Like, don't go on too long. But at the same time, like, nothing out. Okay. Okay. Everybody included in the world, not just ladies and gentlemen, everyone, the entire human shape. Yep. I present to you, Neve. Go. Imagine. The nicest glass of red wine you ever had. Okay. And at the end, Lego. Neve, that's this what I got. Is the shittest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Fine. At the end, stamps. Even worse. Yeah, that was so bad. What about um, Brian? I don't pottery. know how we. Neve, just stop talking. I don't know how we salvaged this bit. I feel like um, this is the most any of us have ever have ever failed at a task on the <laughs> podcast. What about the bassoon? Okay, Brian, cut her mic for a little while. Uh, oh just, yeah, just no, let no, her no, simmer no. down. Yeah. Um, okay, so everyone, I'm John, and um, I'm kind of like the 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 nice one of the podcast. You are in your hole. I am. I am. So, what? You're the prude. I am not the prude. I am. You are wild. so the prude. I yeah, you are. The, how am I the prude? You're so prissy. I'm nice. I'm not prissy. I'm nice. You two just don't understand what I'm being a nice person is. I'm like the nicest fucking person. You're oh yeah, like like a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a nice guy and he's a predator. Yeah, I've covered both these things. 
<laughs> just working up that YouTube ladder career. <laughs> Is that what you want, John? No, I'm just all, 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 like so, I just think that's kind of inarguable. Out of everyone on this podcast, I'm the most pleasant. I'm just uh, a nice human. If anyone is the most pleasant, it's me. It's not you, Brian. I am a delight. You are you are surface pleasant, but you are so fucking weird when you get like past past like the first like the first level of social decorum. Oh yeah. Yeah, but that's fine. He's a social trickster. A he draws you in. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we you're not let's say sociopath anymore, you say social trickster. I hear I wasn't let's say psychopath. John, you can't use any words anymore. Murder trickster. Murder trickster. Brian's a murder trickster. Yeah, but I wouldn't murder you. Okay, Brian, describe yourself. My name is Brian. I am part of the video game podcast. My skin is too dry right now, and I need to readjust myself in my chair. <clears throat> I mean, it was honest. Yeah. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't entertaining, but it was real, and you got to give it up for that. Fine. <laughs> 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 Heard you loud and clear. <clears throat> My name's Neve. I'm the girl and I'm the contrarian. I'm not happy about anything, especially about the things you like. Like Oh, you that's just, really good. That's really, really good. Yeah. Um that's perfect, Neve. That's I'm and now everyone knows like she gets it, guys. <laughs> yeah, so there's three people. There's John the the boy, yep. Brian the deeper voice boy. And Nia the girl. And we do a video game podcast. Yeah. If this is your first episode, hi? Yeah. Um, I would also say, like, don't get too attached to that arrangement either. Because we have been talking a long time about just kind of shuffling up the cast a little bit. Um, <laughs> Probably losing all three of us. Honestly, I kind of feel like it's time for the new generation to take over. Mm. Yeah. I think we've kind of taken this as far as we could. And I realized after the last episode, like, I don't really have any opinions anymore. Like, I've kind of said them all. Opinion culture is dead. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of just about, like, existing now, like a piece of tissue. A weird one to pick. But Wait, sure. what's wrong with tissue? I mean, it is existing, but yeah. it, you know. John, the human tissue. Yeah. That's kind of what I feel like nowadays. Delicate? Man-sized? so delicate. Yeah, are you man-sized? Do you fold up nice in a pocket? No, I'm very bulky. Oh. Michelle will tell you. Just, it's not, it's never convenient. And there's certain shops I can't walk around. <laughs> I can't! I knock things over accidentally. It's a nightmare. Then everyone looks at me. I, do you know, Japan, I liked Japan because I was so big. But it was also that, that, that is not designed for me at all. There were certain... Certain, certain, just physical needs I had that went unanswered in that beautiful land. You know, we're all the same height. Yeah. But we're all different body types. Very different. Like, John's quite broad, and I, and Neve, Neve's probably the middle between the two of us. I make myself very small. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like, I scale down. Brian, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I squeeze in. I can see that. I, 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 I like to pack it up. Guys, I saw Weathering with You. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that the exact same thing as everything else he's ever made? So, it's funny you should say that, Neve, because my exact review of this film is, it's Makoto Shinkai, and he made that movie again. So let me guess. Uh, romance with time travel elements. No. 
romance with vaguely supernatural elements. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Um, and it may or may not be commentary on global warming. I mean, if you really squint, sure. Like, there's weather shit in there. There you go. The, yeah. the weather, everyone. Um, so, this is like in the same cinematic universe as your name. I believe there's like crossover of some characters. And boy, this is your name again. Um, it is kind of ridiculous how similar it is. Um, it's got two teenagers who are both, you know, a little stubborn, but have the best intentions. And there is a vaguely supernatural force running throughout the story that at some point separates them and may or may not lead to a scene where they both run at each other in the rain, hugging and crying. Sounds beautiful. I mean, like... This is the thing with with kind of Makoto Shinkai's films. I feel like the message of this movie is like, love is good. I was like, yeah. You know, like, and it's just, it's not really a, I hate saying like it's not about anything because I'm sure people got something out of this movie. Mm. Like the movie's done well, it's reviewed well, it's done great in cinemas and shit like that. I'm, I'm sure people got something out of it and I'm not trying to take away from that experience. But to me, it's kind of like, yeah, that was pleasant. For me with your name, I kind of hated that it all became a thing about love is important because yeah. I thought like there was more interesting stuff going on until that exact point. It's funny you should say that because like the supporting characters of this movie, like there's the supporting characters where they're like um they're like an older gentleman and lady and their characters to me were a lot more interesting because they ran this kind of like they basically ran this business where they'd wrote, write like fake supernatural articles and like it was them trying to survive but they're both kind of disasters and trying to get their shit together and actually like them more than the couple and there was also this really cool scene that I actually really really liked where basically the guy and the girl the teenage boy and girl they end up running away at some point and they end up going to a hotel a really fancy hotel for a night and um, with her little brother and it's just this really super cute scene of like the three of them like doing karaoke in their hotel room and like taking big fancy baths and just like having a really great time and like there's this kind of sentiment where it's like I I wish this night would never end which is like you know it's been done but it was done well and it actually kind of made me like invested in like just the three of them and their group dynamic because you ever really like you know sometimes like you realize that you're in a good really good place with like your friends or something like that and it's like wow this is kind of heaven you know it's such a great feeling yeah it felt like that and I wish the whole movie had centered around that hotel trip because what came before and after it, I didn't really give a fuck about because it's basically the girl can make it. It's always raining in Tokyo. The girl can make it sunny. That's her superpower. And they open up a little business where they like, if it's your birthday, we can make it sunny or your wedding or if you want to fly kite, you know, shit like that. And it's, I was just so bored by that. That like, sounds like a fun idea. It, it, you know, saying it even makes it sound more fun than it was in the movie. I'm like, kind of shocked that she didn't market herself as the god of the weather. Yeah, that's where I would go rather she, than kids' ca- birthdays. They kind of go that way, okay. but it's very cutesy. Okay. 
Um, and does she have like an ancient spirit in, in, within her or something? You know what? Fucking probably. I saw the film like a week ago and that much of it has left my mind that I don't remember. Um, it, this isn't a bad movie. I'm not like, it's definitely not a bad movie, but I, like I was left pretty unaffected overall. But like there were people in the cinema next to me like crying. Now, I think those people probably have the emotional stability of like no that's mean I don't want to say that <laughs> they're probably people who just get very sentimental over this stuff and that's kind of what I'd say about this movie I think movies can be sentimental and movies can be emotional and to me sentiment is like emotion except kind of without a lot of the groundwork so sentiment can be evoked through music and you know visuals and stuff like that and the movie is good at doing that like it, it does look nice it doesn't look it looks exactly as good as your name like it's pretty much that some of the animation's a little looser which is fun but um in terms of like getting me to really invest in these characters and their relationship like it's a cute boy and a cute girl and they like each other and there wasn't really much more to it than that for me like i didn't see what these two got out of each other that they couldn't get from other cute boys and cute girls except for the fact that they're in love do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and um so it was fine. I think if you really liked your name, you'll probably like this. If your name didn't do anything for you, this will not do anything for you. Um, I think Makoto Shinkai is just in a place in his life where he's making movies for everyone. And they're just very non-offensive and very just... They're very by the numbers and they're fine. And this is fine. So there you go. Well done, Makoto Shinkai. You did it. And, Brian. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about whatever you want, buddy? Okay. Um, I saw a film called The Farewell. Do you know what this movie is? Uh, it's a Chinese-American film, uh, mainly in Mandarin. Some of it's in English, about uh, an American girl, well, woman. She's our age, but I, I call everyone girl or boy. Oh, I know which one this is. Yeah, and she goes back to China for a family event, uh, unannounced, uh, without her parents knowing, because they're there too. And they're over there because they've heard that uh, the granny of the family, the matriarch of the family, uh, is terminally ill with cancer. And they all want to uh, see her before she gets too sick, but they also don't want to tell her about the cancer. Because it'll upset her. So they're not telling her that she's terminal cancer? Yes. That's shit. I know, and... But then the film explains itself, and you're like... Okay, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll go along with your reasoning. Yeah, this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's like... Oh, wow, I didn't know <laughs> that was part of it. Interesting, though. This is Aquafina in it. Yeah, Aquafina. Yeah. Uh, she's brilliant in it. She's really good. There's a really good bit where she just like starts playing the piano and you're like, whoa. And it's just really, really intense. Um, it's just like a very pleasant movie to watch some evening. Mm-hmm. It's, the only, it's the kind of movie you'd only watch once, but I enjoyed it. And it's a very, I, I, I guess there, 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 there's a lot of Chinese tradition and a lot of kind of way of thinking because I, or, or, or well, like because, because it's kind of like there's, there's the Chinese American family and then the, original core Chinese family their ways of thinking clash mm-hmm. but and so that gets questioned 
But then there's stuff in the film that was super universally relatable. And that stuff I loved. Like what? Uh, um, so, like, the grandma in the movie is just lovely. She's just the most charming granny ever. And all she wants to do is... She keeps telling people they look sad, they look happy. Do you want some food? And just keeps feeding them food. There's a bit where uh, she has a sister who I guess is like the grand aunt of the family. She has a dog called Ellen, and they all gather around as Ellen the dog sings. Aww. No, the dog isn't singing. It's just barking but and kind of howling. But it's a whole thing, and it's a big deal. That sounds really cute. Yeah, no, like there, there, there is something very endearing about it, and there's bits where like. Uh, the main girl played by Aquafina, whose character I think she's called Billy she's kind of at a turning point in her life where things aren't working out and she talks to her granny about it and like it's this whole thing about characters kind of keeping secrets from each other some of them are just kind of small secrets some of them are bigger secrets but that kind of seems to be a whole thing about like uh, sharing the burden and kind of toughness that your family faces because they'll take on the burden so that you don't have to. And you being ignorant to it makes your life easier in return. Um, but it's kind of just towards the end. Some characters kind of reveal information to each other. But they all offer each other really, really helpful advice. And it's just a really charming film. And it has a ending. And you're like, okay, I guess that's kind of like a one in a million chance of like that doesn't usually work out that way but that's nice that it worked out for you that way this sounds like a very pleasant movie oh it's very pleasant but does it have like heart it- oh, no no it's got heart it okay. feels it it, it 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 does feel like like the stuff that I, I i do think the stuff in this movie is well earned did you like the ending yeah i like the ending okay even though it just sort of ends like it's one of those movies where like you're, you're not sure how they're gonna end it and so they just kind of have like a last scene and you're like yeah i guess that'll do um, yeah, I, I, I like it when a movie ends and it's kind of like, oh, okay, like yeah, because I hate it when you're like, would you fucking end? Would you just come yeah. on? Like, end? like the film is very funny. Okay, just because there's lots of family dynamic and stuff like that. Um, no, like I, I, I recommend this movie, even though it's super sad, but it's also very funny. Good stuff. Glad to hear it, Neve. Yes. So before we move on to this next one, okay. what's your history with Death Note? I have read it. And do you enjoy it? And I've watched it. Yeah, I like Death Note as Death much Note's as fucking class. Yeah, anyone else? I think, I think everyone. I think I dropped off around the near <clears throat> like. Oh, I love that stuff. Um, stuff kind of. I finished finished out Lights and L's kind of arc, and then I yeah. didn't really go further with it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I guess Death Note's like I, got I liked, two I liked, arcs. I liked Mellow. I thought Mellow was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's got the first arc, and then there's a time skip, and then there's a second yeah. arc. Which I didn't. Again, I didn't mind, but I didn't love as much. Uh, but yeah. You've so, been reading the new Death Note one-shot. Yeah, that I, is now... I also read it. Yeah? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, it's now available on viz.com for free, so people can go read it. This is the 87-page one-shot manga that's set 10 years after the story of Ellen Light. And uh, it starts with Death God Ryuk. Our boy. Just wanting more apples. <laughs> Like, that's it. <laughs> I love his motivation is he's either bored or wants apples. Yeah, he's so chaotic. He just, he, he wants apples. So he's going to go to the human world. He's going to bring the Death Note with him and he's going to cause some, cause some drama. I always really enjoyed him and Light's relationship. Because like this one bit where like an FBI guy is following them 
and he's like, hey, like, I'm just going to tell you this because it's really weirding me out, but there's someone following us everywhere we go. And it's like, he's not doing it to help Light. Mm-hmm. He's just bothered. <laughs> um, Ryuk is a great character, and I think even in this, he's kind of the part I enjoyed the most as well. He's drawn so well, and there's just some really great panels of his his mushed up face. Um, so this is 10 years in the future, and kind of Kira is seen as mostly as a terrorist. He's written in all the history books and all the kind of social classes about this kind of terrorist incident with Akira. Some people see him as a god, but generally he's viewed as a terrorist. And the debt note goes into the hands of this new guy, and he isn't the same level of genius that Light was and he knows this about himself but he knows that he's also good at puzzles so he says to uh, Ryuk that he will take the death note but he'll take it in two years time because he wants to kind of develop a plan so he's not like light he can't go off the seat of his pants yeah okay that's kind of cool he was like he's the guy he needs to think things out true and true on his own accord he's bad at school but he's good at puzzles kind of thing his name is uh, Minoru and he goes, uh, so Ryuk goes away and comes back in two years' times and gives him back the debt note. And this is when it becomes about weapons of mass destruction because Minoru's uh, plan is to put the debt note up for auction on Twitter because he says Kira, in his form that he existed in 10 years, could no way exist in modern day. He couldn't exist because of. Um, surveillance just everywhere you would just see that's a really yeah. interesting <clears throat> like, take like yeah. That, yeah, that, that people leave a way bigger digital footprint now yeah. mm. that if he tried to get his message out on the internet that the cyber crimes division would be at his door in an instant so he decides to sell it and sell it to the highest bidder and it becomes this kind of auction between world powers to get this weapon of mass destruction and that's where I'm going to leave it because the rest is all spoilers and it's actually a really interesting story and has an interesting end. I think it's a cool way to take it. There's an image from this story going around the internet. (laughs) Yes. When I say world superpowers. Yeah. yeah. I I think if you, if if you're interested in this, I would say, and you haven't been spoiled, read it ASAP if you don't want to be, because this is going to come up on your timeline eventually. Yeah, it definitely will. There's like some good images in it. I, what I liked about it, it kind of felt like a little fable. Like it, it felt timely. Like it is about these superpowers and these people in power right now, but it's also kind of, kind of saying something about, you know, they were like Nier comes back in it and he's the new L and he's like can we arrest this guy he hasn't killed anyone with it he's just trying to sell it so he hasn't really committed a crime can it be seen as a weapon of mass destruction and it's kind of like a little fable about wealth and power and money and you know how people are willing to kind of very openly trade in weapon weaponry kind of stuff and it was a really cool one shot it that's, is. It's, it's, it's a fun read. That um, It's interesting as well because, like, um, <laughs> the two guys who do Death Note, they went on to do Bakuman after that. And I think Bakuman's fantastic. It, it has its problems, but it's, it's a fucking great series. It's super cool. Yeah. But then they went on to a series called Platinum End. And have either of you guys ever heard of that? Yeah, no. I've read the first... I read ten chapters and gave up. 
Yeah. It's shite. It's not great. Really? It's like... When... You know when you think about Death Note? You can explain Death Note in like a couple of lines. It's about this book. If you write someone's name in it, they die. Mm-hmm. Cat and mouse game. Detective trying to find the person who has the book. And if you talk about Bakuman, it's a manga about writing manga. It's like beautifully simple. How do you describe Platinum End? Different angels of different varying abilities grant abilities to humans. And whoever attains the other abilities of the other humans become God. But no? But there's... Three different kinds of arrows the angels can fire. And some characters are in love with each other. And some char- and it's kind of battle royale but not really. Yeah, I didn't know what the fuck it I, was. Yeah, I like I, I and I read it less than a year ago and I, I like my memory on it is very faded. And it's good because I just think those guys are capable of so much better. And it's cool if, that, if, if like, the Death Note thing is returned to form. Because it seems like they really evolved the story. Like, it's not just Death Note again. It's, like, a really interesting consideration, like, Death Note now. I, I think it'd be cool if every ten years they just did another Death Note one-shot. Yeah. It honestly has the legs to do it. Like, the, the Death Gods have so little care, and it's kind of more a commentary on people. Like, um... Like, I like that one that god who's on wheels. Yeah, who rolls in on the chair. He's such a good design. Oh, <laughs> he's the artwork just, is so great. lazy. <laughs> he's like, hey, yo, what's up? Eve, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, viz.com and it's there for free. Cool. Um, Brian. Yes. Me and you went to see One Piece Stampede. Yes, we did. This is the new animated One Piece feature film. I think it's like the 18th one or maybe the 19th one or the 20th. There's a whole bunch of them and I thought this was one of the good ones. Not one of the great ones. One of the good ones. Um, it's, it's It's some fan fiction. Um, someone said to me before I saw it if you think of it as like a 28 year celebration of One Piece that's the best way to go into it and I wasn't really sure what he meant and then the film proceeded to be like two hours of remember this character oh I, so I, this was I, I your best like of movie oh yeah yeah I didn't like that at all I love this because I'm a big fan of the One Piece Musou games in which you can play as 50 different characters from One Piece and you could just make them do a bunch of cool shit. That's what that movie was. Yeah, but I just like... Like, they had so little weight or meaning in the story. Yeah, One Piece. No, Brian. <laughs> no, no, no. The no. anime. What? Not the manga. The manga's amazing. But like, I take anything outside the manga as sort of just... Uh, the anime's good. Like, in parts. Yeah, in parts. But and like the way they're animating it now is great. Yeah. But um, y- y- like in a world where like movie six and film Z exist. Oh no, it's not as good as those at all. No. Um, and there's they're, no reason it couldn't have been. They they shit out a One Piece movie every year. It's fine. No, no, no. You can't ex- say you can't just be like let's just accept the mediocrity. Well, I have occasionally like a best of is fine. Like it's fun. Like I like Resident Evil Six is kind of a best of Resident Evil. I know in your head, Neve, that's a much stronger argument than it is like outside <laughs> it. But it's not an argument. It's more just like it's nice to see characters you like doing things. I don't think I'll ever feel like that because even like even like even even in stuff I love like in Hunter Hunter movies when it's like here's that character and they just did the thing you like like I'm like. 
Yeah. That's and all they like, want. Nine, de- out, nine times out of ten, I totally agree with you. It's just like, I'd rather something new and interesting. But that one time out of ten, you know, I'll eat the popcorn and look at the thing I like happening. I, I had a great time eating the popcorn and looking at that fucking thing. See, I was just kind of bored for a lot of it. I, I haven't watched One Piece anime in a long time. I, I don't like that anime. I really don't really care much about One Piece outside of the core manga. Uh, to me, the rest of it is just merchandising. That felt like grade A merchandising. It was just there to sell figures of like characters that haven't been in the series in 20 years, collecting dust on the shelf. Yeah, but like, see, my problem with it was it was just constant, like, here's this character and here's this character. But to the point where, like, there was barely a story and, like, there was a new villain. And like, he's so terrible. But you know, like, his story wasn't bad. It was just it, they didn't, like, execute on it. Like, they didn't give it any time at all. The bad guy's called Douglas Bullish, and his motive is he doesn't like people having friends. <gasps> Which is, like, the... That is, like, the shonen like, reason number one. And I still think, like, the best executed that's ever been is Tagoro from Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> like, that's some fucking real shit, that dude. But this really wasn't that. Like, yeah, no, there there was parts of it that were, like, fun enough. The but... Usopp and Luffy stuff was amazing. It was, I... it was fine. Uh, no, Usopp was so good in that film. He was fine. Usopp's Brilliant. But that's that that arc they did with Usopp. They've done that better in arcs in the, in the story. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. In Water Seven, that 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 was the definitive Usopp arc. Yeah. Was and it so they animated just... well. Yeah. It's fine. Oh. Well, I would oh. say not even as nice as some of the other ones. The 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 bits where they tried look good. I thought the CGI 3D shit looked awful. Oh, that was so. There's so much of that, and it's weird because it's such a pencily style, and then sometimes mm. they'll cut to a crowd shot, and the crowds are 3D. Okay, the more you're talking on. about it, the more it doesn't sound great. It's It wasn't. It's just one piece anime, it's fine. <laughs> I haven't watched the anime in 15 years. Yeah, what are you basing this on then? How much I love the manga. Okay, well that's stupid, Brian. You can't just be like, I love this, therefore this bad. Yeah. Because like, the anime, like, the anime is mostly pretty poorly animated, but like, and, there's and some awfully paced. Really badly paced. There are some beautifully directed episodes. Like, have you ever watched the fight between Luffy and, and Usopp? Yeah, I've watched that bit. That's so good and the music is so good and it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I do like the music in One Piece and I love the backgrounds and the voice acting is fantastic. Yeah, totally. Even the, the dub is very good as well. Like, yeah. Some of the voice acting in the dub. And just, I just expected more from this movie because I think One Piece is nearly the perfect shonen property to make movies out of because it's just like and I know the, the the story for every single One Piece movie is they go to an island things aren't as they seem and that's this one but I think there's so much you can do for that and like I found like movie 6 especially and Z really poignant and really like I felt like I knew those characters better after those movies and I just think it's a shame to not do something like that you know like I, I liked this less than film than the last one the film gold or whatever it was I couldn't even remember that film. I just remember liking it more than this. I think I like this... I think I like this more than other One Piece movies, but I skip most of them. Yeah. I only went to see this because they, they were just showing the cinema. Yeah, and do we want to see One Piece in the cinema? Did we see... No, we didn't see Movie 6 in the cinema. I'd go see One Piece Movie 6 in the cinema. Oh, definitely. I, I'd but, make but, everyone but go. We, I'd make Neve go see it. Yeah, 100%. But, Maybe it's um, good. I'll go if they did it, I'd go. Mamoru Hosoda directed it, and Sushio did the character designs, and Imaishi 
did some so, animation direction. Some YouTuber, I don't know him, he's some hack, he made a video explaining why this movie's the one you should see. Well, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever get another One Piece movie 6. We got a Z, and Z to me is close. Yeah, this, But like, this was the most non-canon, didn't make any sense in the timeline One Piece ever, and the logistics of it were impossible, because how could all these characters just show up on this island on time? And the MacGuffin for the film was stupid, and some of the Devil Fruit powers were too similar to already existing Devil Fruit powers. There, there, there's a bunch of broken shit in this movie. But you liked it. I did, yeah. <laughs> so it was better than a lot of the other One Piece stuff I've seen. There's a whole genre, there's so much shite. That Brian is, loves I, One Piece. I do. But not very, not all of it. No, yeah. I, I like, <laughs> I, I like the manga that is written by Oda. And I have some cool figures, and uh, there's two good games, and maybe two and a half good films, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Oh, fair enough. Um, we all saw Uncut Gems. Yeah, we did. We did. I laid five stress eggs while watching this movie. This movie is not a good time. <laughs> no. It's not a good time. From the from the directors of Good Time. They make that joke in the movie. Yeah, they yeah, do, yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think what they did that I got up and did a dance. <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking to... Sometimes after I like upload a video and stuff, I like to do something like just chill and relaxing, take my mind off things, and then sometimes I accidentally end up watching something really stressful. This is the most stressful movie I've seen since, like... Oh, what's that one about jazz? Whiplash. 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 Oh my god, that film. Ugh. Yeah. Um, this movie is a fucking stress nightmare and I didn't think I was enjoying it or I didn't think I was invested I was like why would I care about any of these characters until a door got jammed about halfway through the movie and I just got so upset that's one of the best bits I think that's yeah that bit is so and like it's right there in his hand and he can't get it it's just like a very simple mechanical exchange between two people needs to happen and it's just been such a nightmare trying to make this happen up until this point and it's there and they both just want to be on the other side and it's just it was it really bothered me and that's kind of how I knew I was like invested in the movies okay so let's go back and explain what yeah. this is this is an A24 movie so when that comes up you go oh no bad things are gonna happen yeah, yeah it's it's gonna be yeah you're gonna have a pit in your stomach it's directed by the Safdie brothers, stars Adam Sandler, and he plays a scumbag jeweler, <laughs> jeweler in 2012, and it spans across several days in his life while he makes several bets to up his earnings on a Opal to repay a debt that loan sharks are trying to kill him over and the debt is owned by his father-in-law brother-in-law brother-in-law yeah and it's 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 basically two hours of people arguing about jewelry Mm -hmm. and it's a character piece it's a real character piece uh, specifically about adam sandler's character like no one else gets to really be a character that much in it it's about him and his spiral and everything in it i gotta say guys I don't think I loved this movie. Uh, in fact, I don't think I enjoyed it at all. Mm. I, I feel weird about it because as I was watching it, I was like, I'm invested because I want to see where this mess goes. Like, this is so messy. I want to see what the punchline is. 
But um, I went into this being like, I hope this is the movie that makes me go, you know what, Adam Sandler's a good actor. It absolutely did not. Adam Sandler is not a good actor. I thought he was extremely um, just dull to watch. He just has the one expression with his teeth up. Yeah, he's got <laughs> fake teeth in this movie. Yeah, and it's just like, I, I get that they're fake, but it's just like, I felt like if anyone else was in that role, and this is com- me coming off like watching The Lighthouse, which is another A24 movie, and that's such a character-driven piece with two really good actors just chewing the scenery. And I kind of felt like, man, if this was Willem Dafoe in this role, or literally anyone else, I think I'd be way it's more... It's be Jonah Hill. If it was Jonah Hill, <laughs> honestly, 100% would be more invested. I don't think Adam Sandler was a, is a strong enough actor to carry this so I was not invested much in his character I was just like let's just see where this goes Mm. like I wasn't bored I was entertained but I didn't love it and I thought with a different person in the lead role it might be something I would love yeah I think I was I was definitely expecting to like it more because of how much I loved um, Good Time like I I got something out of this movie I I think nearly enjoyed is a hard way to put it because it's such a it's such a stress shit of a movie you experience it yes I I, re- I I I I really got a lot out of it. I'd never watch it again, or if I did, I'd have yeah. to wait ten years. Yeah. Um. And I I I I I did enjoy it. I was very excited for this movie. I've been following it for a year. I love Good Times so much. That's one of my favorite films ever made. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. And when I found out they were making a movie with Adam Sandler, I was like, for fuck's sake! But then I said the same thing when I saw Robert Pattinson was in the previous movie. Robin Pattinson's good though. He's a, he is. Yeah. I, I like him now, but yeah. I was basing him off the Twilight movies. Um, I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I thought Adam Sandler was grand in this. I definitely didn't see a like. I've seen a lot of people being like, "Why wasn't he up for an Oscar?" And like, I don't see it as that kind of performance. Like, I thought, yeah, he he embodied that character okay enough. I think um, your point, Eve, about like what other actors could have done with the role. Yeah, I think so. Like um, I, th- I think there's probably more to do there, but um, I, I like the supporting characters. I liked your one, Julia. She was really funny. That was his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, she was great. Yeah, that was that was it. That's kind of like nearly what made him stand out as being bad. Is I think the the uh, the, the rest of the cast stand out so much more than he does himself, despite it all being on him all the time. What's the name of the dude from Atlanta? Uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Anything he's in. He's just he's so just much mesmerizing. Yeah, he's yeah. so cool. I really like the bit where he's at his wife's family home, and she's in her bat mitzvah dress, uh, Idina Menzel. Yeah, and they're having an argument, and he's like, "You look so good." And she's like, "Oh my god!" And then she just like fucking like tears into him and wishes he never exists. And she goes, "You're so fucking annoying." She just starts laughing in his face, and she's like, "You look stupid." And that's, yeah. that's after he's like, "Look in my eyes, yeah, see that I love you." Ah, uh, she's so good in that film. Yeah. I know she's so good, but also just wasted. There should have been way more Andina Menzel time. She's so beautiful. I really get the feeling like all these characters <laughs> are fully realized. But the camera's just on him, and it's all trimmed down just to be the Adam Sandler piece. I think it totally did what these dudes want to do. Yeah. But whether whether that's what you want is going to be... Because, like, it's just... It is a fucking pain of a movie. Like, it's... Ugh. Yeah, like, like to, towards the end, you just want all the characters to not exist among each other anymore. Yeah. Because they're just hurting each other. Without spoilers, what do you guys think of the ending? I... Great. Yeah, I thought it was great. That yeah. was a great way to I end agree. that yeah. film. 
it's really hard to end a movie and (laughs) that movie was very successful Mm -hmm. in its ending and like that's a huge achievement most films don't get to end well there was great moments with his brother-in-law who was like such a good actor you felt like you could read what he was putting across just with his eyes he looked so exasperated by what was happening but also pitying like angry but also he didn't really want to be doing this yeah Yeah. just so disappointed yeah so that he was great did you did you like the bit where the music just turned to the akira music i didn't notice that until you put it on i saw you link thing yeah um that really like caught me up like and it's just the woodblock percussion with chanting like it's it, it it's the akira soundtrack and it's the same guy did the soundtrack for good time and you could just tell he's just a big anime nerd I, I really like that, like, learning someone is a secret weeb in, in while watching a movie. And you're like, oh, they're kind of vulnerable like me. <laughs> I, I, I always appreciate that. I'd recommend people watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's on Netflix. Like, the, the barrier to entry is extremely low. And Good Times on Netflix as well. You should, you should watch Good Time, too. For sure. Neve, you went to the Kingdom Hearts Orchestra. I did. And I killed Sora myself. I strangled that little boy. No, I, I went to the near concert. Oh, it's the same fucking thing, except no. darkness replaced with robots fucking or whatever was happening inside <laughs> of the... You cannot I, continue. Oh my god. I went to the extremely beautiful near concert. Uh, it's near orchestra con- concert RE12018. Thanks, Yoko Taro. And it was in London and it had the Royal Philharmonic Concert Orchestra and the Chamber Choir of London in attendance. It was it was a really really great time. It was uh, split down the middle. First hour was near. If I had known the first hour was near, I a hundred percent would have gone. I thought it was just Automata shit. No, the first part. Like, Automata is fantastic. Like I love the soundtrack to Automata, mm-hmm. but goddamn, I love. Yeah. It was it was interesting though because uh, they did near replicant and not near Gestalt because yeah. there's like stuff up on screen that is kind of explaining. It's they got Emil's voice actor to kind of go through the plot of the game, but kind of punctuate it with music numbers. Then, so it's kind of near, um, like Emil kind of That's reminiscing. So fucking cool. Yeah, it was really nice. But uh, in in the West, we've all played Gestalt and not Replicant, so it was weird to have them uh, talk about the brother character and stuff. Um, so I was a little a little disappointed about that, but not much because it doesn't take much to just replace that in your brain um but uh it was it was a kind of i thought it was a weird decision since this has been touring in the west mainly Mm. and they've kind of done their japanese shows that they wouldn't just like you know replace brother with dad near because to me that game is like so about dad near if you don't know near in japan when it was originally released there was a playstation 3 version which was near replicant which is a brother sister story and then there's near gestalt which was a 360 exclusive that was a father-daughter story it works so well as a father-daughter story yeah it really does and it was before father-daughter narratives were this huge thing in games with the last of us and god of war and all of that some might say it's the good one it's it is the good one it is a really good father-daughter story Um, the second half was near automata stuff and that was that was really great it's it's really amazing soundtracks so to hear them live fortress of lies yeah good stuff uh, emmy evans the vocalist from the original near and near automata um 
came out she was in attendance and she sang Way to the World uh, I would have loved if there was more of her singing in it um, they didn't use vocals as much as I thought they would I wonder why I don't know it's like there's a lot of singing in Near Automata and they didn't have the woman who sings it usually in attendance at all at all for any of these um, I think it's probably because it's more more marketed as an orchestra thing and not as a concert. I guess so, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but it was nice to have Emmy Evans there and come out and sing the tracks that she did sing, and she looked amazing. And it was just a, it was a really good time. It's, Yoko it's Taro, incredible. Yeah, Yoko Taro came out and he was his usual chaotic self. Being, and it really was him. Yeah, was, was he limping because he hurt his leg? No, but he was wearing his leg brace. So, <laughs> and he's there because some people have like VIP tickets. They get to do like a meet and yeah, greet or you something. Could buy a VIP ticket and get stuff signed by him. That's cool. And Emmy Evans and um, the composer himself, who I what's his name, um, Okabe and Arnie Roth, the conductor, was there for all that stuff. It was a good time, and I, I, I had a really nice time seeing it live. Do you think if they came to London again, you'd go again? No, that's something I only need to see once. Fair enough. It's like if if they had more, I think vocals, then maybe. But uh, it was very orchestra based. <laughs> I think, like from what I heard about it, I would love to see it just because. I, I just I didn't know what they were doing originally. Originally, honestly, the first part of it was my favorite part. Really, I prefer the near original soundtrack to Automata soundtrack. Uh. I think I, I think I'm nearly the opposite. I think I, I like the time of the soundtrack, but I just that's such a good soundtrack. It is, mm-hmm. but then like I think there's tracks off the original near as well. Like um, so much an Automata soundtrack is like remixes and reworkings of those yeah. old pieces. Emil's sacrifice, mm-hmm. I think. I, I think I think that's the one piece of music. If I heard it live, it would probably make me cry. I think they played that at the end. I'm pretty sure they did. I don't know how it fare. I I did cry. I cried twice. Oh really? When yeah. You cried? People were just in uh, bits. Way to the world, and uh, Emil says some really sad things about wanting to see his friends, and then you know you play Automata, and you're like, oh buddy, you're a car now. Oh, that's such a. <laughs> There's such a. Kid. The like crew from Near are such a perfect crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People still think that game's bad. It's crazy to me. It's such a good game. Like it's yeah. I'm like it's it's not. It doesn't it's not play that the best. shit. <laughs> like it's it's not that shit to play. I think no, I think it's no. been over it's overstated. Yeah. The gameplay in that. There's I think it's way fine. shitter shit to play. Like yeah. And, and like especially on 360, especially yeah. that. Oh, excuse me, generation. <laughs> I think even once you get into it, there's a real rhythm to like. I liked going. For around, me, is when you, you know? get like the guts berserk, like double-handed yeah. heavy sword. That thing was so satisfying. And those locations are beautiful, and that story's so good that it just carries you through any of the bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I think people. I think if you don't like the original near, you're small and weak. What yeah. are some video game concert slash orchestra events? If they were in London or Paris or even Dublin. Probably Silent, not. Silent Hill. A Silent Hill. Absolutely. 100%. I, I go to a Kirby one. I have the Kirby Orchestra. I play that sometimes on YouTube. That That's fantastic. That seems cute. It seems like a lot of percussion would be in that. Yeah. I feel like that would stress me out. No, they do it on piano. Yeah. I have a question actually out there for anyone who might be in a professional orchestra or just orchestra in general. There was around 70 people on stage, I would say, playing instruments. And every single one of them was right-handed. Like no piece of space was unused on that stage. They had to fit everyone in. So I was looking at everyone playing. 
and everyone's right-handed. And I was like, if there was a left-hander in this, they would just fuck up this entire thing. So does it happen that if you get to that level of uh, performance, that left-handed people get left out because of space and because of that unity kind of issue? Or you need two left-handed people to be, you know, involved to, so they can fit together? Or is where, it just a big coincidence? That yeah, this- is it just a big coincidence? Like, where, how does being a left-handed um, musician fare in the world of, you know, live orchestra? It's usually one in ten people are left-handed, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's really common to be left-handed. I know so many lefties. But it's just, like, I was watching, I was like, there's 60 people there, and not a single one of them are playing those instruments left-handed. Send an email to leftfightaboss. Leftfightaboss at gmail.com. Yeah. That's not even our, like... (laughs) There's so many things wrong with what we just said. (laughs) No, it's good. (laughs) Are you left-handed? That's the name of the episode. Um... Left-handed, question mark. Neve, that sounds fantastic. Good time. Yeah. Cool. Strategy dog. Here we are. We're at the video game bit. We're finally at the video game bit. 50 minutes in? Uh, let's just see here now. I'm around... It, 49 minutes. Very close, John. I, I'm, uh, that's a special ability I have. I'm really good at telling how much time has passed. His internal clock is attuned. Yep, very. A lot of other things not going right, but that internal clock... <laughs> Constantly ticking down. Constantly yeah. ticking down. <laughs> Until um, you die. Guys, I played not much of it, but I played about an hour of Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, this is on my list too. Yeah, same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've always wanted to play it. it like, so this is a game that's been basically in development for nearly 10 years. I think mm-hmm. there was a Kickstarter for it in... Oh, I'm, I don't have these dates for certain. The Kickstarter was sometime around 2011. I think the first episode released sometime around 2013. And it's been releasing an episode every two yeah, years. Yeah, two, two years or so. Roughly. And it recently released its final episode and released all the episodes in a, um, a, it's called like the TV pack. Yeah, it's a collected edition. Yeah, and it's currently out on Switch and I think PS4? Yeah, it is PS4 and hopefully Xbox. um, I have been looking forward to this game for a long, long time. I was kind of frustrated when it did come out because I finally broke over Christmas and downloaded it for Steam. And then proceeded to not play it for two weeks, and then it was announced on Switch, and then I tried to get a refund on Steam, and they were like, nah bro, it's been two weeks, and I was like, damn it. Um, but I got it for cheap on Steam, so I just ended up cracking and downloaded it again on Switch. And um, I... There's cool stuff here. I have never seen a game that looks like this. It's really beautiful, and it it's like, it's very like... 2D, like it's very like flat shaded, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And but there's some really cool things that happen. Like there's one scene where you're like walking up these steps, but every time you like go up a new level of steps, it's like you're pushing further into the Z axis. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you pushing away or towards? Towards, okay. So all of a sudden, like uh, like you're walking, 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 and next thing, like a house comes out of the house comes out of the mist, and the foreground elements then frame the house in really interesting ways. And the story of it so far is that you are 
delivering an antique shop and uh, antiques to this shop and the only way to get to the antiques is by taking the zero highway and you don't really know where that is and it seems no one really does it seems like some characters sort of seem to this is david lynch this is absolutely mm. characters who seem to know a lot more than they should mysterious and creepy americana miss very like a hundred percent you know and um, that side of it's cool and it's interesting and there's like a very calm slightly ominous atmosphere but this thing is like a novel like there is a lot of reading in this constantly and if you're not down like if the idea of a visual novel bothers you this might be a bit of a struggle. And it's not voice acted? Not at all. Okay. Are, are they just talking in speech bubbles to each other? Yes. Is the text legible? Yeah, because I always find that sometimes there's a bit of a like a glow on it, but it bleeds certain letters. It's also that the text is very thin. Like, it's not a font that's super readable, and that gets just a little tiresome when you have to read this much. <laughs> if I was playing this on a PC, it wouldn't matter because I'd be right up next to the screen when mm -hmm. playing it on the Switch on my TV. It's kind of a pain. Um, there were parts that I really enjoyed would have played so far, and there was parts that I found very tedious. And there's one part in the first episode where you go down in an underground mine and you go on this like mining cart and it's a lot of trying to find your way out. But like this mining cart, it takes like 10 seconds to slow down, stop and go the other way. And again, like this is a game made in, you know, the early 2010s. Signposting and stuff like that has come a long way since then. Um, and even interface stuff. But now, so directly after that, I kind of, I got out of the minecart, I started like, you know, roaming around the map that they let you roam around. Like, it's literally a map that you move a little icon around and you can stop at different locations. But maybe I missed a line of dialogue or something because now I have no idea where to go and that's very frustrating. You're gonna have to use a walkthrough for that bit or something? Yeah. Just, 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 just to kind of jog you? Yeah, because like, I'm not... I don't know what I meant to do and that's disappointing because I think part of me was expecting to click with this game a lot harder and um, not that that couldn't still happen this is only the first episode and I haven't even beaten it yet so like this is an unformed opinion like this is just my impressions of my time with the first little bit of it and I would love to completely come around on this game because I I am kind of fascinated by the aesthetic and like haunted Americana like, that is so my shit. Like, I love that. And I really want to like the game. And I'm intrigued, but there's still a lot of questions. From everything I've heard about it is the first episode is the weakest and has aged the worst. So hopefully when you get into the second episode. Yeah, yeah. and I'm going to stick with this. Like, I'm going to get deep into it before I have, like, a proper opinion. Yeah, it's, it's probably a case of player feedback because, like, the only way to improve the game was... The first episode and seeing what went wrong and what went right and improving it for the further episodes. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful, you know. I like, really like the icon for the PlayStation. Oh, it's, it's like a goat wearing a hat or something? No, it's like a bloodhound wearing it's a, a blood little straw hat or something. Oh, it's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what it it's is. It's a dog, I, yeah. It's a, I thought it was a goat. That's your dog. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely bloodhound. Yeah. There's weird stuff in it as well. Like, uh, you can, like, you know... The one of the first decisions is like what's your dog's name and one of it is just like it's just dog 
Oh. But there is this kind of interesting thing where you're deciding what's happening as it's happening. So um, I'm gonna borrow, I'll borrow an example that they gave on Beastcast. It's like you pick up a phone and like you can be like, hi mom, hello sir, or hey Susie. And whichever option you pick is the conversation that's going to unfold. Okay. And then you're gonna roleplay that. Yeah. That's cool. Interesting. There's stuff like this that's interesting. I'm not in yet. I'm hope like I'm hoping, you know, um I was left more bored than anything else by like my first hour with it. But let's let's see where we are in like a week or two. Brian. Yeah. You've been playing Smash. Oh yeah, I'm always playing Smash. Uh Byleth uh is finally playable. I play as female Byleth because that's who I played as in Fire Emblem. That's who you are. That's who I am in Fire Emblem Tree Houses. And when she was first announced, I was like, oh, great, another Fire Emblem character, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I've gotten around to playing as her, and she's really, really fun to play as. She plays different to all the other Fire Emblem characters, which is great. Like, she's a Fire Emblem character, but she doesn't feel like the rest of them. You know how they all have that down B counter? Yeah. She doesn't have that. And she's incredibly slow. And there's a real way to all her... That's not what I was expecting from her. There's a real way to all the attacks. And she has amazing vertical recovery. It's just like a really... Like, it's a really heavy... Or I I, I guess it's like a light character that's easy to throw, but has heavy-weighted attacks. It's like a weird mix. Interesting. And so I know in terms of character design and the IP it's unoriginal but the character itself to play as feels fresh I do feel like with a lot of these new Smash characters I'm always like oh okay cool and then when I get hands on them I'm like oh my god they've done so much shit with this yeah no they like, have I felt like the Dragon Quest character oh yeah yeah absolutely like, that's, like I was like eh like the main character from Dragon Quest whatever but then when I played as him, I was like, wow! He's so different, especially yeah. that uh, menu select and the way you can build up that meter. Uh, but I, I I, just thought with the Fire Emblem character, it was going to be like lazy on all accounts. Here's Marth 1.5. Yeah, because so many of them are just the exact same character with slightly timing, slightly different timing adjustments. Yeah. But they have the exact same moveset, but Byleth has a completely different moveset. Plays more like Captain Falcon or Ganondorf, honestly. Like, it's just this... Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, so, like, I, I was pleasantly surprised, and um, it's a fun character to play as. And Smash keeps surprising me. That's a good game. Like, I don't want to get controversial, but I think that's a pretty good Smash game. Yeah. So, who cares about the whole, oh, it's a Fire Emblem character? It's a fantastic Fire Emblem character. There's nothing to worry about. Oh, it is, yeah. But it's good. <laughs> we like Treehouses, don't we? Yeah. Do we like that game? No, no, not anymore. It's been enough time that's passed and we're all kind of like... Yeah, what, what, we like all have fa- to regret our number ones. Um, I really like how Death Stranding really like kicked Phantom Pain out the door. Did that sentence make sense? I got there. I got there. Brian's saying that our reaction to Death Stranding retroactively made our reaction to Phantom Pain worse. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I still love Phantom Pain, but when you I play it now, John, are you going to play Death Stranding no, again? Yeah. No, it's perfect in my mind. Why would I play? Why would I play it again? Oh my god, what's wrong, guys? Are you listening to this man? Yeah, this man. Okay, you know what? This While we're on the subject, I just have a little announcement. Uh, we recently put up a new goal on the Kickstarter, and we did. It's for something that's honestly 
very important to the three of us. Um, last year, we released a series of videos called Let's Fight a Blob. Let's Fight a Bloss. <laughs> Let's Fight a Blob. Let's Fight a Blob play Shenmue. And if you watch those videos, like it's really fascinating because it's like at the start of it, Brian and Neve are very skeptical about whether they're going to enjoy Shenmue or not. And then over the course of many episodes, you just watch them fall in love with Yu Suzuki's characters and worlds and just come to a place where they really appreciate it on a level that, I mean, I already appreciated, but like it, it was just very Get on with it. interesting. <laughs> We're going to do... <laughs> we have announced a new Kickstarter goal and it's for a Let's Play of Shenmue 2. Now, oh one thing I want to make clear... Oh my god. Yep, yep. One thing I want to make clear is we are, like, we do video shit now. We have stuff in the works. Like, we have other video shit coming. So, like, this isn't, like, a kind of thing where we're only going to do more video stuff. We hit this, like, we we, we, we got some plans. Yeah, we do. But, um... It's always nice to have plans. Little Brian and Little Neve really want to play Shenmue 2. And I think, it you know, we can all help make that happen. Uh, I guess if the money talks we play <laughs> I don't want to play Shenmue 2 please don't make us play Shenmue <laughs> more Shenmue I don't want to fucking I don't like that don't like those games did you not think it was a good game though no it was shit <laughs> shit no. new it was a crappy piece of crap you Suzuki is bad at I making said, games I said this before you will fucking weep for Shenmue 1 when we play Shenmue 3 Why is we're it? not playing 3 we'll see how we do it too don't even don't if we get to two we have, we're obliged look I'm I'm the one who's open to loving things um my arc <laughs> I, you I, are I know in you your fucking hole I am you're <laughs> the most I... hateful person on this podcast was I not oh, the one oh I don't like this and I can't wait to talk about oh, it Brian and Neve or Brian and John like this we'll see about that <laughs> You know for a fact Brian, that do you ever uh, see something that you love on like Neve's watched or played list and your blood just runs cold and you're just like, oh fuck, no, no, no. <laughs> Not gonna talk about that one. John, I could have been on your side. You know how I felt with Shenmue. I don't know, I felt like I, I had I an felt, arc. I felt like we really I, I felt like your arc though, like towards the end, started curving up and around, and then you went back. You just you just hated it by the end. Yeah, I dropped off completely. By the the ending really soured me, but I opened my heart to it. You did, you did. No, like I'm not. I can't deny that. Mm-hmm. So what in Shamu too? I'm gonna open my heart up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not your ass. You know, this Brian. Time. I <laughs> I'm. I'm realistic in my hopes for you and Shenmue 2. Well, I think if any of the Shenmue games is going to get Neve, it's going to be 2. Because Neve likes silly action movies, and this is one of those. I think I like Shenmue 3 because I like wasting the audience's time. No, Brian. No, Brian, no, you're you wasting you your time. And yeah, our and, time. You're, and you're I, so angry. I about have it. so much time. I'm fine. I'm going to live way longer than both of you. No one's arguing that. Yeah. But I think for a way to make yourself feel better, you kind of have... Pret- you're pretending that you're wasting other people's time when in reality it is just your own. Okay. Like, again, <laughs> playing this, the Let's Play of Shenmue 1 is the angriest I've ever seen, yeah. Brian. Well, well, then let's get angrier and let's see who dies first. Brian, you're gonna, you're definitely going to let out of me because you're going to be alive past, like, next September? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope so. Don't worry, Brian. We'll placate you with, like... 
I know, some chocolate muffins. If, <laughs> that if we get some chicken before each session and make that part of the budget and schedule, I'm good. See, it's shit like this that we need the stretch goal for. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah, fair enough. Brian Brian loves chicken. Brian needs moisturizer and chicken and he needs it now. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not eating a moisturizer. <laughs> I'm just lathering it on my... The, just the idea of eating a bunch of chicken while you're all moisted up, like... <laughs> I don't uh, want to get would you rather him eat it dry, John? Come on! I don't. Want you know, if this is the second time you have gotten angry at me on this podcast for not taking Brian's moisture needs seriously, <laughs> he needs My... to be moisturized. You know, it. it you, He's you know, like a Siamese cat. You need to rub it into their folds, or it's just going to oh, be a dry time. I just have sensitive skin, and it needs John. You're going to have to reach where I can't reach. And rub it in there, a big old dollop of it. Yeah, I remember Magfest. <laughs> I, I really like our relationship with my body and your body, but we'll 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 get to that later. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Just two guys who've known each other so well. Brian, I I've seen One there's been some literature going around with us two that I don't condone and you're not helping. Yeah, I'm helping alright. Played Yakuza Kwame 2. So, Yakuza Kwame 2, how does it fare against the Shenmue series, John? <sighs> playing Yakuza Kwame 2 after playing Shenmue 3 is like. It's like going from being trapped in a maze of cacti to just a beautiful warm swimming pool. A good experience. That's all I have to say. Uh, it's good. It's very good. Um, it's definitely in like the kind of tier of Yakuza games I don't love. No, no, I do love it. I do actually love this game. But I think it's just Kiryu isn't broken and sad enough yet. Uh, but other than that, it's great and it's just so fun. And I am constantly bowled over by how much effort has gone into these games. It's fucking insane. I recently unlocked one of Kiryu's abilities to see where all the side quests are. The map is literally covered in markers for just all these side quests. They're all they're all like animated, they're all voice acted, they have all their own like interiors and models. It's fucking great and they're funny and the story's good and the characters are good and it's just I went to a I went to Osaka Castle and it opened up to reveal a golden castle inside it, and that's where the bad guys were. And I went inside and I fought a bunch of ninjas, and then I beat up a tiger and I saved a little girl, and just... These are just fantastic games, and I can't... I'm like, I think I'm on chapter like 13 of 16. I will definitely beat it by the next time I play this game. Blah, 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 play this podcast. Talk do this podcast! Blah, blah, blah. Go on, talk properly. I'm trying. Um... It's just, great. He just likes Yakuza so much. I just like Yakuza so much. And this is a great Yakuza game. I've seen the cutscene of the castle opening in half to reveal a better looking but smaller castle. Yeah. Like it's full on Russian doll kind of thing. Yeah. There's no possible reason that needed to happen, but it did. Because, like, it's a famous castle that's historically, you know, like, preserved. Why would they put a seam down the middle to tear it open? To reveal the secret castle. It's just it's it. That's okay. It's a special game for special boys. Um, but yeah, it's class. Neve, you have been playing games. 
<laughs> uh, that's the template word that we have in the docket. I haven't really played much that I would talk about. I've been playing Shadowkeep, Destiny Shadowkeep. Soundtrack's really good. Got a very good gun. Enjoying that. What's your gun called? Um, I think I'm using a tiger spit. I don't know. Tiger spit's a good name for a gun. Yeah. That's a brilliant name. Yeah. Um, do, will, I, will I talk about Resident Evil 4? Because then you yeah. can bounce off that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got Resident Evil 4 for the Switch. Um, I'm playing it on my Switch Lite and... I got it because it was on sale, but I also had it on my mind because of the Resident Evil 3 remake announcement, but also because the game just celebrated its 15-year anniversary. Resident Evil 4 is 15 years old. It, yep. it came out in Japan in January 2005. Oh. I know, right? Um, oh my god, yeah. Yeah, and it was on sale on the Switch, and I was like, I'm so into GameCube games right now. And like, I could have bought this on any other system, but I decided to get on the Switch because, you know, the whole handheld thing's really accessible. And I think it's like the HD version, but it's so, it was so pleasant to replay one of my favorite games on the Switch. And like, just on the Switch, like the idea of being bored on a plane and having Resident Evil 4. That's why I bought it. Yeah, yeah, because I knew I was going to be doing a bit of traveling the previous weekend and it was just, it was... I love playing old games that, like, were such a big deal growing up. Yeah. Or, like, just just a big kind of event in your childhood. And this is definitely one of them. I haven't played Resident Evil 4 in years, but I imagine that's a game that ages well. It's aged real well. Now, like, there is some dumb stuff in it, but, like, as an action movie survival horror game mashup, it is just... It's so... There's so many best moments that really, like... Oh my god! I totally forgot about this bit. Like, and I forgot how funny it is, because because you know the way like when it was marketed, it was marketed as like this really scary, yeah, serious yeah. game, but it's not. It's this fucking goofy, quipping like well like but like but like but like it's got good one liners. They're not. Yeah, it's the best Leon is. Yeah, in, absolutely. In any yeah, of the games, totally. they, He's they so nail fucking them. cool in I this I, game. I feel like they don't know what to do with Leon. No, yeah, that's why they like, made him a sad alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, he's just drunk and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to talk to anyone. But in this, he's just like, like I, uh, I, I, and so last night I beat it. I, 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 I played it over a week, and I maybe did like five or six sessions of playing the game. I played it for like two or three hours, and I just kept remembering, oh my god, I totally forgot about this bit. I love this bit, and then that getting stacked over and over by remembering bits that I'd forgotten that were as fun to play now. Um. I forgot about Jack Krauser. Do you remember that guy? Yep. How could you ever forget that about Jack Krauser? That knife fight is so good. Okay. <laughs> so the future can't be carved by a liberal hand. Or is it conservative hand? It's conservative hand. Because he's a liberal. Yeah, and I, I, they, they really want to make a point that Leon is American. And that Jack Krauser is also American. He's the bad kind of American. Yeah. And um, I was reading on the Resident Evil wiki... I might be wrong, but I got excited when I read this information, so maybe I miscounted. Okay. You know the way Jack Krauser is introduced only in this game, and I think he's playable in some spin-off or something like that, but, like, you are meant to know who this guy already is. I think he's... you can play as him maybe in Mercenaries in 5? Yeah, something maybe, like that. Oh, yeah. But, like, you know how he shows up in the latter half of this game, mm-hmm. and you're like, who? And they're like, Jack Krauser. And you're like, who? And they're like, Jack Krauser. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, Jack Krauser. I don't know who that. I don't know. 
so he's Leon's mentor, even though Leon was a a rookie cop, a rookie cop who who only did one day. <laughs> and then he's on his first day to that's, resume. That's so stupid. And now he's like one of the best fucking government agents and is sent abroad to Spain because the zombies are speaking Spanish, but it's Mexican Spanish, not Spanish Spanish. And and Jack Krauser is there and Leon knows him from his past and he's his mentor. But Jack Krauser is only one year older than Leon. He was his mentor. He was just a savant. Yeah, and he gave really him good. night classes over the internet. <laughs> mentor. That's how their relationship started. Uh, and I'm Ada not Wong. Down for that ship. <laughs> and, and it takes a while for Ada Wong to show up in the game. Mm-hmm. I forgot about this one. And I... I, I, I it, 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 it happened in the game. I had to put down the switch because I had to take a breath. There's a bit where Ada Wong sends a paper airplane in through a fucking window <laughs> with a lipstick kiss on the paper airplane and it has important information about what's coming up next. Why don't you do shit like that, Nave? I try. I'm not good at throwing them. <laughs> but, like, I'm like, it comes in and it's so well animated, the paper airplane, like, like, and like you're like, and Leon's like, what's this? And it just flies in through the window and just, like, glides and, like, softly lands on That's the floor. That's so cool. Oh, Resident Evil. And I really like Ashley. I really like the escort. Mm-hmm. I don't hate the, her at all. No, she's, no, Ashley's she's fine. Great. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Uh, I was talking to her friend Steph about the game earlier on. She was saying that because in our version, Ashley's like about 20 years old and she was kidnapped from college. In the Japanese version, she was saying that she's 16 and was kidnapped from high school. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I just love her voice clips. I love her. Help me! <laughs> She's so bothered. Don't look, you perv. Oh. And, and then also when you have to press Y to catch, and she goes, I, I just, I just think the, I really, really love the audio clips in that game, and there's just so much stupid bullshit in that game, but everything in it is a memorable set piece, and I can't wait to play it again. Yeah. Forever. I remember, I remember when that game came out first and it was like it's crazy to think about now because like so many things like it influenced so much i remember just not really understanding how to play it like oh yeah i was so shit not really knowing like where i was meant to stand and when i was meant to shoot and when i was meant to run away and that was so cool you know and like after a while i got used to it but i remember like just that first like three hours of barely surviving and just not knowing what to do and that was so awesome yeah that's a great game I just played again what was your favorite moment Brian uh my favorite moment still is uh is it Salazar is the small yes. Napoleon looking dude <laughs> So there's, there's, I, I, I still think, I think it's genuinely scary. Is when he sends one of his like fucking like xenomorph looking dudes down into the sewers with you, and you have to reactivate the lift, but you have to wait four minutes, and you have to survive a close corridor encounter with that enemy. That's really frightening. It's yeah. so good, and like for that bit every time, and like still even when I play it, I need to like confine myself to a quiet room and like give it my full attention. Because it's so important. I, I really like the barnyard brawl as well. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really good. What's your? What do you think your favorite moment from four is? 
I don't know if it's the same one you're thinking of, but you're like confined to that one barn and there's a swarm that keeps coming after you. I'm thinking of the one where you fight the Undertaker. Okay, no, I'm yeah. thinking of like it's just this barn. There's a ladder that goes up to the kind of sh- oh, and the and shaft is it place. Mi- not Miguel, the Luis. Luis, he's yeah. there with you. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. Yeah, so, that's so for amazing. that, so for that, you need to kill forty zombies to activate the story. Oh, also, there's the bit where what's his name Salazar as well, where <laughs> there's a giant statue of him chasing you, yeah. and it's a quick time <laughs> event. But before that, the hands are just like raising up and down, and you have to solve like a bridge of puzzles. But then you have to like go across like your waterway path that you've made, and the robot just it just turns into a robot that starts chasing you, and it's really? just so decadent and ridiculous, and just but they went for it. Yeah, no, like they they really focused their resources into the correct things to make you smile. Yeah, which is such a like that's the way games should be made. Yeah, um, yeah. It, se- it seems like they would have had a lot of fun planning out that game. Ryan, you also played Sonic Genesis Advance. Did you get this in my quest? I did. Um, I remember this. Yeah, this is the port of the original Sonic the Hedgehog, and this was to celebrate the 15-year anniversary. They ported it to the Game Boy Advance, and it is one of the worst games I've ever played. Wow. Um, It's February. It's Sonic the Hedgehog month. We've got the movie coming out soon. And as a special treat, um, at work at lunchtime, I'm playing Sonic the Hedgehog games. This was the first one, and then I'm going to be playing another one later in the month, which I'll talk about in the next episode. But I just thought I'd just catch up with an old friend called Sonic and play the original game the way it should never have been made. (laughs) Uh, This is just the chuggiest piece of shit, and the only way I was able to play it was that I was playing it on my Retron 5, which has, like, built-in save states, and some of the underwater levels you had to, like, because, like, when you're underwater Sonic, it's even, like, choppier. Right. You'd be playing this... Pla- so you'd be platforming, to, jumping from platform to platform, but there'd be so many times you'd miss-ish because you'd overshoot Sonic because you don't know where he's going to land because you're inputting controls to steer him. Then there's a four-second delay. Then he lands. Mm. Uh, but people gathered around and watched myself and my friend Steven play this game, and they were like, what's wrong with it? <laughs> And it was just, it was a real fun explaining what it was. Because I remember when, when you showed it to me at MagFest, it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. Oh, it's really bad. But it gets real bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just... Maybe it's a case where they like they had a chance to optimize the first, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and like, Sonic isn't a long game. Like, the original Sonic game, you could beat that in, like, an hour if you yeah, wanted. totally. This takes several hours because of how slow it is. Ugh. It does not run at the normal pace Sonic normally goes at. And yeah, it, it's just, it's busted. But we beat the game. We didn't get the Chaos Emeralds. So Robotnik just laughed at us at the end. And I thought that was a, a nice way to end it. I'm sorry, Ryan. That's really hard. It's okay. I did, the next Sonic game I'm playing You'll is... You'll get them. No, I did. The next one I'm playing is probably my favorite Sonic the Hedgehog game. And um, it's, it's going well. But I'll wait until the next episode. Okay, sure. Quick time events. <laughs> Well, guys, remember we were like, Blizzard are probably going to fuck up at some point this year. They didn't make it out of January. <laughs> nice. Um, so they released Warcraft 3 Reforged. So Warcraft 3 is the sequel to Warcraft 1 and 2, obviously. And that's the strategy game from Blizzard that World of Warcraft was based on. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I know that one. Yeah. They're, I, they're actually, a great games. I actually I actually know the Yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with that they're one. They're fantastic. I'm um, never familiar with Blizzard games. Yes. And 
it has become there's a lot of warcraft 3 reforged is basically like you know a modern day update of warcraft 3 but there's a few little caveats here it actually replaces warcraft 3 in your blizzard launcher so you can actually go back and play the original version now they patched it out yes so if you already own warcraft 3 but you didn't buy warcraft 3 reforged it's now the same game anyway or at least it's I'm not the same sure launcher. about that. I think you have to buy Warcraft Three Reforged. I honestly I don't know. Huh. But um, so this is basically a thing where you know, if you if you own both versions, you can't go back and play the original, as far as I'm aware. Oh, through through Blizzard's launcher. Maybe there's like you can find an old PC version and reinstall that or something. But um. And the reason that's a problem is because a lot of people are saying, first of all, that this is a dramatically worse version than the first. It actually gets rid of features, gets rid of certain clan features. It, there's stuff like, um, there's a really famous map called Booty Bay, but because of like disallowed search terms, you can't access that map in certain oh. game modes anymore. I see. But where people have really become irate is they released a trailer for this and they redid a lot of the character models and stuff and um so they showed a cutscene from warcraft 3 except it was like now it was like before it was just like a top-down real-time strategy view of like what was happening but in the new cutscene they basically redirected it and it's an actual cutscene now like it's got close-ups and character mm. animation and like visual direction and people talking like rather than like the zombies just entering from like the front gate or like from you know the bird's eye view of the front gate they've actually positioned the camera in front of the gate and they're all storming in it looked really cool those cutscenes are not in the reforged version oh so they marketed the game with them yes but huh. mysteriously, even the improved cutscene they showed in the trailer Isn't in it. is not in the new version. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they decided that was too much work. Yeah, I guess so. And people are pissed. Last I checked, this had a 0 0.5 on Metacritic. Wow. There's just no point to it. Well, Pretty like, much... the, the only person buying that game supposedly is someone who loves that game and they're the exact person who's going to notice all the bullshit and yeah. who's going to be following its development and know exactly what trailers were put out beforehand and blizzard released a statement on it and it was the most just pure asshole it like it starts off with something like we're sorry that people haven't had the experience with Warcraft 3 that they want, you know? Mm. And it's just, it's a joke. Like, it's it's not even a proper apology. And then they're saying, like, you know, we, we, we wanted to, we didn't want to mess with this story too much. We wanted to people have that Warcraft 3 experience, which is why we haven't updated the cutscenes. And it's like, well, why did you market it like that? Yeah. And they even said back like back in the original announcement that they didn't want to mess with the cutscenes too much, which again is fine, but then don't show that in the trailer, you fucking idiots. And um it's Blizzard you know, barreling their way towards another an, another nomination for biggest shit show. They didn't win it last year, but they came awful close and so if they I think if they really like get the heads down and just try their best they they could walk away with it this year 
and God, God bless him. You know, good luck is all I have to say. Yeah, there's some, there's some tough competition, but it seems like the that that that's it's a big fuck up. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Blizzard, that's okay, are, Ryan, that's Blizzard okay. are silly. Shh, 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 it's okay. It's I'm okay. just so angry as a Warcraft three fan, Brian. Brian's love of Warcraft Three. It's it's really weird. I know that what that never, one is. That's it's how really happy weird it's I am. Never come up in the podcast, but just a diehard Warcraft Three. Yeah, fan. I love I love my PC clickers. <laughs> um, did you guys see this wonderful one remastered Kickstarter? Yes. Yeah, that's that's a nice idea for those fans. I have never heard anyone say they liked one <laughs> wonderful one hundred and one. Oh, there's totally yeah, people out there's there. people who love this. Love game. I'm this sure game. there is, but I've never ever heard someone say to me that they like this game. Like I've just, it's not a thing, and it's so weird to me that they needed to kickstart it because it just seems like pre-orders for those exact people. So I yep. don't. I, I'm not a big fan of Wonderful One Hundred and One. Same. I don't um, like that game. It's not fun. I, I I like its look. I like its attitude. I don't enjoy playing it. I wish I liked it. I but, really wish I liked see, this it. This is the stuff I hear about it. All yeah, the no. Time. It, it, it's Animation's a, great. It's one of the most disappointing games I've ever played. I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't take it that far personally. I, I got rid of it. I just was so. It's not fun. Can't argue with that. Like, say, there was nothing fun. Did you did you have fun playing it? I mean, parts of it, but I, I spent. I feel like I spent a lot of the time I was playing it waiting for the enemy to do the attack that I could counter, so I could then punch their tummy, or, or they, just or just recovering and picking up all your little guys. Yeah, because like, you have one hit. Yeah, like there was a lot of that, and just like I thought, some of the signposting around what attacks you needed to avoid or what attack like it just it didn't click with me and didn't click with you Brian no but it is a game that people love and that's evidenced by this kickstarter because it it met its goal in 4 hours yeah mm-hmm. so it had three different console ports uh, it was like 50k for the switch version and then it was like you know 100 for the i don't know the PC and then maybe like 200 or something for the PS4 but it hit all that in four hours. So, like, the people know what they want. And they're getting it. I see Xbox isn't on this at all. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um. So, from what I was reading, it sounds like this is mostly made. Like, they have it all ready nearly to go. And it was more to support it being the port. It's just weird to me that they're kickstarting it. Because, like, it's kind of done. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And um, why not just do pre-orders? But I guess it's like you get the money up front and you can... Like, people will care about a Kickstarter. Well, also, um, Wonderful 101 is also like one, famously one of the worst-selling games possible. I think in its first week in Japan, it sold something like 17,000 copies, which was nothing. Oh. Yeah, it's a um, very... Like, yeah, like, like it is a niche game and it does have its hardcore audience. It, but I guess but they want to reach out directly to them. It has a very devout, like, hardcore audience. And I think the reason they do a Kickstarter is because they want to ignite that fan base. Yeah. You know? And it worked. Like, I saw so many people advocating for this on Twitter. And right now, it's at 1.2 million. Nice. Wow. That's great. I yeah. kind of presume that people are giving to this because people love Platinum specifically and not... not as much maybe wonderful 101 there's probably a lot of platinum fans that well like i guess what platinum Neil, fans when we get when we get woolly over here ask him about wonderful 101 he's a big fan the yeah. only fan in the world you'll Wooly. see 
It's actually, it's funny because like it's 1.2 million, but there's only one backer. I see. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he's making dreams come true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Like, it was trapped on the Wii U, and I think a lot of people bought a Wii U for Bayonetta 2 and Wonderful 101 because Platinum fans are that hardcore. Bayonetta 2. Bayonetta 2 is amazing. That's on one of my favorite fucking game i think it's one of the best games on the wii u i think it's one of the best games (laughs) one of the best games uh but that's on the switch now as well um but that's a nintendo exclusive isn't it yeah i guess one for 101 isn't a nintendo exclusive it's a platinum owned game platinum i'm sure platinum phoned up nintendo and they're like could we please get the rights back for wonderful 101 and nintendo were like what is that sure kid put it on the switch yeah, it, it it it's really interesting to know what Platinum own and don't own because mm. they were commissioned to make Scalebound for the Xbox One. Microsoft 100% own Scalebound and they said, thank you very much, we're done with it. Yep. And they can't do anything else with Scalebound. No, and they can never get it back from Microsoft either. Yeah. Because Microsoft will look stupid then if they make a good game out of it. Yeah, and I know Platinum are kind of like somewhere in between like a double a studio but they'll never be a triple a studio but i hope not yeah i hope not either because i i I do think there's a personality to them that would be lost if they got bigger but they are very good at reaching out to their fans besides the thomas and eve you ever played a platinum game um astral chain yeah astral chain astral chain yeah I like Astral Chain. I mean, I like it. What else? I'm sure I've played some some other Platinum games that I just can't think of. Okay. Um, Another Platinum news. Platinum have uh, launched a website and they tweeted it out. Platinum 4. And this is what people are theorizing. Four new Platinum games are at least not new, but four announcements from Platinum. In the name of Capcom 5. Yeah, 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 yeah. So their website... Ooh. Piano Tree, Resident Evil 4, uh, Killer 7, uh, Beautiful Joe, and then there was the other game that never even got made, isn't there? Dead Phoenix. Dead Phoenix, yeah. Never heard of it. And the only Did one that... So they were all exclusives for the GameCube in the mid-2000s. The only one that stayed as an, as an exclusive, exclusive was Piano Tree. I still want to play that. You just play as a Victoria Beckham lookalike going through white corridors and doing aerobics i remember reading about it in a game magazine in like the mid 2000s maybe and the article was about how good her butt was remember game magazines oh yeah yeah just really dirty old men my favorite thing to do is buy old tomb raider ones online and just read those reviews cool mate laura's proper fit in this one exactly five stars what's, what's your favorite like line from an old tomb raider review Neve? um one of my favorite things is when david james the goalie for uh england at the time this is already off to like just an infinitely better start than i could have ever <laughs> oh, imagined yeah, 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 yeah. he he missed a penalty shot he let it in and england lost and his reason the rationale he gave and david james also played for liverpool which is why I'm aware of him. Um, the rationale he gave was he was up all night playing Tomb Raider and he was just so obsessed with Lyra Croft. She's just proper fit. Because she's proper fit. And that re- was my favourite story. A real woman, mate. Yeah. That the, the video game boobies. I feel like Lara Croft lost a lot of her sex appeal when she got more polygons. 
I think I think all three of us agree on that one. <laughs> and like, and like I'm, not no. ta- I'm not talking about like next generation, Lara. I'm talking when we went from Tomb Raider 2 to 3. I always, yeah, I mean, like, if you, if a titty can't take your eye out, what's the point? I, I'm, every day I'm mm-hmm. saying that. Yeah. Just want some pointy titty. Tim Rogers leaves Kotaku. Oh, he's, I, I, I like his videos. He's great. I didn't know he was even with Kotaku. I thought he, they managed to rope him in to do one or two videos. No, no, he, he's been at Kotaku for a long time. Um, he I've does lots of translation stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he does like localizations on the yeah, side. Yeah, that's the he's one. He's currently localizing, or maybe he's finished localizing a really cult Japanese RPG that I'm very excited to play. It's called like The Moon or something like that. I don't remember, but it seems cool. Cool. But um, he's always struck me as someone with a tremendous amount of talents, and I've always been a bit confused why he doesn't have more of a following online. And then I remember that his videos get lumped in with all Kotaku's videos, mm-hmm. so he. I, I, YouTube might just not like them then you know what I mean Kotaku is a mishmash of like really intelligent thinking and insightful thoughts yeah and then just like just bland BuzzFeed rip off stuff yeah and there is good stuff but yeah I know I, I really like the good stuff out of Kotaku Kotaku this, has this, improved a lot it yeah, has yeah, yeah. like about I'd say about five years ago it was trash yeah and it has improved and um, Tim Rogers was one of the best things on it um, if people haven't seen it, they should check out his uh, slow translation of Final Fantasy VII. Um, it's a video about like all the weird little idiosyncrasies about like the translating a game like Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. and it teaches you a lot about game localization and just the like intricacies of the Japanese language. But it also, towards the end, turns into this really sad, like heartfelt piece about like Tim Rogers and his life, and it's. It's really beautiful. Like, it's an incredible series and it bums me out because I think the last episode only has like like 30 or 40,000 views and it deserves so much more because he's like... It, it's it's just really great. Like, he, he took something as mundane as like, you know, translating a video game and turned it into this really amazing personal story and 100% people should check that out. Yeah, because people are leaving Kotaku, aren't they? Because there was a shift. There's been a lot of people leaving, yeah. Did Jason there was a Schreier buyer. leave? No. He is Kotaku, isn't he? Yeah, like he's, he's, the, he's the head editor. Yeah, but he also, I think he was very outspoken on a recent decision. Some of the heads, heads up, I think, at Viz made. Yeah. Well, everyone has been pretty upset with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, best of luck to Tim Rogers. I think that guy is incredibly talented, and I hope he finds like the audience. I think like he really deserves. Um. Okay, so this is some John news. Okay. Legend of the Mystical Ninja, Goemon two and three have finally been translated. It's been twenty five years. These are SNES games. These are SNES games. But there was a weird, in, and I'm going to get this wrong because I don't know a lot about this stuff. There was something in the compression for how these games handled text that no one could figure out. There was some way that the text was coded that people could not get their head around. They're probably buried a layer deep in the code then or something. It's just something really weird in how like it processed text. And they finally got their heads around it. And so they finally released English translations for these games. I have a little bit of a history with Mystical Ninja. It's like one of my favorite games ever. I am so excited to play these. 
but there's also a bit of a monkey's paw with it because one of them has a slur for trans people in it, which fucking sucks. Did it make its way into the translation again? It made its way. It's it. Uh, it's only in the translation. Oh, is, is this a fan translation? Yes. Or? Okay. This is a, no, this is not official at all. Okay. But, um, basically, I can't remember the term, but there's like a particular term in Japanese for. I don't know if it's for. I don't think it's like a general term for trans people. I think it's like it kind of plays on some just shitty stereotypes about trans people. But basically, I think they took that word. And then used, like, you know, another very offensive term that's been, like, you know, used to belittle and insult trans people for a long time. And the translator decided to use it. And, um... Translation isn't a one-to-one thing. And so it kind of, like, one of the counter-arguments I saw was, like, well, they're just being faithful to the original. There's any number of, kind of, phrases they could use, and I don't, like... You know, the word, the problem with the word in question is that it's related to, you know, like violence against trans people and abuse, abuse against trans people. There was no reason at all that was the word that needed to be used. And that's the problem I have with it. And, you know, like there's, there's people in my like immediate family who are trans. And if I was playing this with them, I would feel horrified about them having to see this word on screen. And that's my metric for this stuff. Like, it's not just like... It's not just making a big deal over nothing. Like, it is a legitimate fucking sad thing. And it really puts me off also, doing I hate, anything with these. I really hate the 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 whole, like, it's more um, faithful to the original. Because it's not. Once you start translating something, it's an adaptation. Because you're going to have... Yeah, right and, like, away, this you, term specifically have to doesn't... Colloquialize there's, stuff. No, yeah. there's no, like... There's no direct allegory for it in in, in like the English mm-hmm. language, you know. You can take it out. You can change it. It's not going to change the general idea yeah. of anything. As far I, I've I've heard that there is a patch that like takes it out. Um, I haven't verified this myself, but I've heard. But um, yeah, I'm. I was really disappointed by that. Really, really disappointed. So, so but just, but just, just, just go back to the original thing. You need a ROM of these games and then this is a- oh you gotta get a bit extra legal okay and and then, and then these are just patches that you insert yeah. into okay yeah this is not an official release from Konami and are, are these like weird top down adventure but also platformer games like the <sighs> no, original I think Mystical these Ninja are platformers okay Do you know the platforming sections from Mystical Ninja yeah yeah I think it's them I think they've actually taken the RPG sections Mm, I don't know. I, there's a bunch of these games, and they're so numerous. And yeah, there's so many mystical ninja games because Konami yeah. were just very busy back then. Oh, yeah, they used to make games. They they really did, didn't they? Actually, God, I, I didn't put this down. Have you guys seen that? It looks like they're gonna do another Silent Hill. No. Yeah, I've been. I heard about this. I'm hearing whisperings. Yeah. Oh, that's well. You know, there you go, John. <laughs> yeah. There's also gonna be another Silent Hill movie. <laughs> and, and a Fatal Frame movie as mm-hmm. well. I watch Fatal Frame movie. They're ramping up. Um, I'm glad because, like you know, last year was really hard because a beloved lost franchise of mine came back, and it was very disappointing. And I just feel like let's just bring Silent Hill back because there's no way that could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Pyramid yeah. Head's a good guy. They should make Pyramid Head the lead character. And he should like he should look at the camera and be like Well that was a real zinger. What if they gave Pyramid Head sunglasses? 
and a skateboard. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> we could it? just be skating around. Yeah. What what else you got for Silent Hill? Uh Toon Pyramid Head. So like Silent Hill a la Wind Waker? Yeah. What about Toon Pyramid Head and Regular Pyramid Head? But they both have to go on like a caper or oh. like a road trip. Yeah. And like Pyramid Head's like, would you take this seriously? And Toon Pyramid's head's like, whoa! Sounds great. I think Tomb Pyramid Head is in Konami Crazy Erasers. <laughs> oh my god, he is, yeah. Yeah, as well as uh, Grey Fox the Ninja and Count Dracula. And Goemon. And Goemon himself. And, Full circle. And also the baseball lad. <laughs> the baseball lad? <laughs> yeah. The baseball lad, also known as Baseball Lad. <laughs> Guys, what's how we take some emails? Yes. This is the email part. We have an email. What is it, John? Boss at gmail.com. Neve? Boss at gmail.com. We get a lot of emails. Some of them we put in a docket. Then we take the really good ones from that docket, put it in a better docket. And, and then, then... Then? Then they get read. And it would sound something like this. This one is from Roberto. Uh... And this is a nice follow-up. Uh, after seeing At Cave Fishes, amazing tribute to you all. This is the uh, 3D render of the three of us. I think everyone has seen it at this point. You can see it on our Twitter. You can see it on our Instagram. You can? Yep. I adore this thing. Thank you so much, Cavefish. Oh, okay. Yeah, fucking hell. Like, we get some awesome stuff, yeah. but, like, this was... We his were just blown away. His real name is Tim. Thank you so much, Tim. Tim, thank you so much. It was so great. Yeah, that, that, that was a pleasant surprise. We were all like, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, I wondered if you would be starting a crowdfunding campaign to make those figures a reality. Uh, no. <laughs> no. I think, I think like Wonderful 101, it has its fan base. I don't know if we could have the same success. I don't know. Um, but whether that becomes a reality or not, I still wanted to ask if you had the chance of being turned into a figure or toy of some sort, what would it be? Oh, I'd want to keep my articulation. So so, so um, you want to be a Figma? No, or- not a Figma because their articulation isn't that great. Maybe an SH Figure Arts because they have... They're very good. Better articulation, so I could move more. Or how about like a JoJo figure? What? What's what? Super Action statue uh, are good, but they usually have hard clothing, which limits some of the posability. I own a couple of SH figure arts, and they're they're solid. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, an SH figure arts figure, so I have posability, so I can move, and multiple hands, so I can hold things. I think just for me, uh, just a Ban Presto prize figure, just. Encase me in plastic and let me never exist again. Do what want- pose would you would yeah. be your final pose? Oh, I don't know. I, I have a kind of JoJo's pose I do whenever people want to do JoJo poses at cons. It's probably that one. Do you want like an interview with the sculptor on the back of the box? Because they've started doing that recently. Yeah, I do, and I want them to be like, I don't know why I did this. So this is a band presto crane machine thing that you can win in five goes, yeah. or pay fifteen to twenty thousand yen. In the yeah, aftermarket. But like in five years it'll be worth a lot. Not because of who I am, but just because of a weird, like not a lot of people were interested in this figure and so it disappeared very quickly. Okay, so it's very rare then. Okay, yeah. so okay, so it's Yeah. And it, there's people who have it like encased and opened. 
and some some people are like, "Wow, a genuine John!" And they're like, "I don't know what this is. I just I just own it because I like collecting." So you cost about fifteen euro, but in the aftermarket, it's like a couple grand. Just like in real life. Okay, uh, I just want an Android, and I want to have magnets. You know, I would like a Brian Android. I yeah. think that'd be pretty good. Uh, I have a lot of Androids. I've started collecting the Bakuman Androids. They're extremely rare because they're designed by the Fat Company, PH Fat. So I, I specifically want to be designed by Fat Company. That's cool. I didn't know you were collecting them. Yeah, there's one of the lad who made made Crow, ah. and his Nendroid is crazy expensive. And I've seen it in the oh, real he's world. The best though. Yeah, and I've seen the re- and like the Nendroids aren't even like they're so boring. It's just them with like a bag. Yeah, I could see that. Like, because they're just civilians. They don't have stuff. Nendroids are. I I, I really like Nendroids. I, I I'm glad they exist and that pop vinyls aren't the only fucking big-headed, chibi-looking mm-hmm. thing out I, there. I think, realistically, if I was to ever exist as a figure, it would be a pop vinyl. But not because <laughs> I want that, but be just because... John has mass appeal. He's mass appeal for and the normos. dark, soulless eyes. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. could like ta- And they could probably take the hair off another one and just flip it and just be like, there you go. And like you buy it and you put it on your desk and it just falls over right away because yeah. it's not balanced correctly, like all pop vinyls. But that's also faithful to me as a person. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Uh, there's some figures. Um, I have another one here. This is another uh, fun question. Uh, and it is from a name that I don't know how to pronounce, but the subject is just food. Uh, so you know who you are. Relentless. We're going to say Relentless because that's a cooler name. Okay. It's me. Relentless. Well, Relentless asks... Is there any weird ways you consume food that gives you stares when you're in the company of others? Like <sighs> Brian, ma- tell him about your prawn cracker bed. You mean Sean? Oh. You mean Sean Prappers? Sean Prappers, aka prawn crackers. What I like to do is I like to get a bowl plate and I have my pad thai noodles. But what I do is I layer a mattress foundation of prawn crackers and then I pour the pad thai on top of the whole thing. And then when I eat the pad thai underneath is squishy prawn crackers and they're yummy in my mouth. I also, and I don't know if I brought this up before, ready salted Pringles and ice cream. I believe that. Really? You should try it. Uh, I don't like ice cream. Or Pringles. (laughs) You shouldn't try that then. Uh, (laughs) You know what's fucking good? McDonald's curly fries and McFlurries. Yeah, because like it's the it, salt it, and the yeah, sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. The salt Heavily. and the sweet. And like they sizzle into each other very yeah. slowly, but you feel it on your tongue. Immense. Yep. Just immaculate. Perfection. Do you guys have any weird food things? Like John, you, you do a thing where you have like a um, uh, you dip a spoon into peanut butter and a, a spoon into jam. Right? That's for when I'm sad, <laughs> and that's a secret. Okay, never mind. John's secret sad food. Uh, do you have any like public happy food? Um, not really. I have very particular ways I prepare certain things, and I eat it every day. And I think sometimes that will weird people out, so I don't tell them. John kind of eats chocolate like a gorilla. It's really funny. <laughs> what does that mean? You kind of like you kind of make your hands into like mitts, and you kind of like hulk around the room. That means I haven't eaten. That it's been too long since I last ate. And you're like kind of like tossing the room looking for chocolate because someone brought chocolate over but you can't specifically remember where it is and you're not going to ask because you have to find it yourself because you're grumpy and you want chocolate oh my god go fucking talk to Michelle 
Oh yeah, he's a big chocolate fiend. Do you, do you eat food in a weird way? No, I just eat it like a normal person. Have you ever like snorted some food? No. Okay, I think it's time to talk about Brian and bread. What? Uh, <laughs> Did you snort yeast? What are you doing? No, God no. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not a savage. Um, you know those kids that stick things up their nose. Oh, Brian. Bread. <laughs> so. You'd get a demi baguette and you'd hollow out the demi baguette and you'd ball it into like little little yeast balls. And I'd be like, where can I put this that is in my mouth? Oh no. And so I put one up my nose once, I put up my nostril, and my mom caught me and she was like, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Brian, we used to have a, a dish that we would prepare in college and the name isn't really can't really say it. <laughs> no, 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 we can't say a name. Because the Nazis came back in real life and now it's not funny. Yeah. But um, it was, you get a bread roll, hollow you it slice out. it open, hollow it out, and then you get a battered sausage and you put it inside the bread roll. But like it fits over like a condom. Yeah, and then you just <laughs> slather the whole thing in ketchup and just fucking down that shit. That's, okay. That was cool. It was, oh, I think we only did it twice, but I think we had a great time yeah. both times. And like, it was fine because back then we were like 19, 20 years old. I wouldn't do it now. Yeah. Or but maybe. college meals are like... The worst. Oh, they are. It's like I used food. to make a thing called eggy wraps, where you would get wraps and then you would cut them into strips so they were like noodles, then baste them in egg yolk and then fry them. That sounds like the kind of horseshit college students yeah. eat. <laughs> and did you eat it out of the pot or out of a plate? Oh, um, both. Sometimes it depended on the day. Sometimes yeah. I'd throw in cherry tomatoes if I was feeling fancy. That's good. Anyway, about sticking the food up my nose. <laughs> so, so my mom Ew. caught me do that, and she used to be a nurse in the eighties, and she was like, "I worked in the emergency room, and you wouldn't believe the amount of children coming in because they have stuff." I, I just, I, I've never wanted to put anything no. up my nose. Do you, do you not have the urge? Okay, there not are people. No. There are people listening to this, and they know what I'm talking about about the urge of putting something up your nostril. I think I would put it like multiple other places before my nose. Well, where like no, let's just where's move, that? Near? Let's just move on. Like in an armpit. <laughs> I wouldn't put so, it. My... So you is that genuine? Like you'd actually be like, I really want to put this crayon in my armpit. Well, no, it's like if if it was my nose or my armpit, I would no, neither of them would come to mind. But if I had something, I'd yeah, probably I, go. I think, I think for like for that. for noses, you're talking like bottom three orifices for me that I put anything yeah anyway my mom said uh, I can't believe how stupid these children are I'm glad my son isn't that stupid but, but look I, at you now but look at you now Brian <laughs> oh no because my mom would fucking cut deep yeah but you what she was right never do it again do not put things up your nose I think I only met your mom once I fully believe her ability to cut deep oh yeah no, she's very strong my older woman charms did not work on her at all no no she she suffers no fools gladly yeah i i realized that like straight away and it was really scary it was like if superman just realized he couldn't fly and he was like fuck yeah next email will i do another one yeah i got one here uh this is from meltzy i know this person on instagram as metsui uh they're super talented um. Uh, so the question is as creative people how do you guys take care of yourselves more specifically your hands and wrists I'm an animation major and but uh, I've recently been dealing with 
tendonitis and other injuries. I've talked with a doctor and I know how to do stretches and take breaks, but I'd like more specific advice from other creatives. Um, as someone who works at a desk in animation eight hours a day, I have a gel guard along the bottom of my desk that I rest my wrists on because I found that I was resting my wrists just on the wooden desk yeah. and I was causing calluses on my wrists. Oh, weird. Within one year. I think as soon as you begin a career in animation, you need to immediately invest in your body and that means that you're going to have to have supports and gels. Uh, you need to get up it's recommended you get up once every hour. I recommend you get up once every 45 minutes. You just need to walk over and throw something in the bin or go to the bathroom. Make a habit of it. Yeah, I think like gel wrists kind of work when you're in some positions, but like uh, my job is usually me bent over a Cintiq. Oh, so it's your shoulders and Yeah, upper shoulders back. for like shortcuts and just... I feel like I'm never sitting right because I have to be bent over something all the time. If you can swing it, get a good chair. If you can't get a good chair, bring in your own back support or like... Yeah, try try, try try, and have a chair that has neck, neck and head support as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they only just stop below the shoulders, but you want to have something above the shoulders. I think in animation, especially if you're in the drawing side of it and the animating side of it, you're just such a gremlin bent over things that it's so hard to draw straight. You're just always over something uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just uh, and then that's like something like brian was saying getting up every 45 minutes and stretching out is good for that um hand stuff hand exercises hand stretches there's a lot of good hand yoga yeah yeah stuff like that um keeping your hands warm as well is, uh, is a good one i oh, usually yeah. have like a little heated pad or blanket or a little heat pocket in my pocket to put my hands in because yeah. my that's, hands get really cold. Cute. I've got this like little gel stress egg that I squeeze. It's a real stress egg. Um, oh my god, that came out of my body. <laughs> and I just roll it around in my hand and that's really good just for articulation and just kind of waking up every digit. Um, but this isn't stuff you're going to feel in your 20s, but you will feel it in your 30s. And you oh, need I to... think I, I started feeling it well into my 20s. Yeah, mm -hmm. you really, really need yeah. to invest it because you do just start creaking. But yeah, um, if you think it's bad in college, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, it's not something that fixes itself. And I see people in the industry now and they have like humps on their back. Yeah. Yeah. And they have the worst posture ever. They're just at like a 45 degree angle. Yeah. It's not good. Um, I, I, I do a lot of yoga for this stuff because my back and shoulders get really, really sore. And I used to go to classes, but then I realized there was actually a lot of yoga on YouTube. And it's just like, it's just 20 minute yoga classes. And they're really good for just like, like getting your kind of shoulders or back or like, and, and what, what I really liked about them is that you could do them whenever you want, but you could also find like specific videos for like specific parts of your body. If, like, your shoulders are sore, you can find a video just about your shoulders. If it's, like, your neck, you can find that. If it's your wrists or your lower back or even, like, you know, hips and thighs and stuff. And, like, I have a bunch of different yoga videos that I do, like, whenever I feel, like, a certain part of my body locking up. And that helps me a lot. I do YouTube yoga as well for the same reason. Who do you do? Oh, my God. I don't, like... The channel's really weird. I think it's, like, half spiritual and it's, like... Psyche Truth? Yes! Yep. And Whoa. like I was like you're I was like oh god this is so such bullshit get to the stuff I need I'm not down for that stuff at all no the spirit like I have no interest in spiritual side of yoga I'm like ah 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 shh. 
Um, Keep going. Do, do, do you see Cindy on Psyche Truth? Yeah. She's the best. And then you'll go Adrian's, okay? Yeah. Adrian has a beautiful dog. I'm learning all about yoga YouTube. That's great. Oh, I oh there's tell you so some much shit. of it. Boho beautiful. What's she about? Um, there was one guy I used to follow, and he had a breakup and got in a relationship with one of his background <laughs> yoga person people who he was doing it, and I was just like, "Huh, I feel like I'm watching this play out, and I'm not meant to." But you could totally watch it. That's like that time. Do you remember when we went to the printing place? Oh yeah. And I was like. I'd been there a bunch of times and I was like, Neve, those two are in a relationship. And we looked over and the guy just put his hand on the girl's back for a second and took it off. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. Whoa. Okay. So we got another email here. And I think I failed to copy the name. So I'm sorry, I forgot your name. And this email is about online hate. Um, Dear Brian, Neve, and Wolf. this question is specifically for Super Wolf. I recently saw you tweeted about DBZ Armin's new Bleach documentary. Uh, in the wake of it, I saw you get some hate from some Bleach YouTubers. Um, I understand running a YouTube channel where you critique media, especially anime, anime can be quite polarizing, especially and because of, in some cases, where shows can be very important to individuals, and you and if you do not validate their opinion, they resort to sending hate your way. Um, although I have not always agreed with your opinion, I do value it, and is the reason why I watch your videos to see other people experience it but in if but in my disagreement i have never felt a need to send a hate message so my question is how do you handle the hate that comes your way as i'm sure i've only seen a minuscule amount of it does all the hate dissuade you from making more videos or from voicing your opinions from a personal perspective when i get hate even if it's not justified it affects me and i struggle to shrug it off and then he also asks um does the podcast get much hate from other people um other than good-natured banter and if not, what do you think? Why do you think? And if not, why do you think the reason? What do you think the reason is that a YouTube content creator would get more hate than a podcast or also critiquing media? Um, thank you so much for that email. Um, I get, we we will get to the parts of that. Yeah, I I think this needs to be broken into three acts. Yeah, this is there's <laughs> there's a lot to do to this. Um, so if people didn't see, there was a two-hour documentary about Bleach went up from a guy called DBZ Armin. And I was like kind of a focus of that documentary for the Fall of Bleach video I did four years ago. And that video like is not hateful at all. Like I made like some mistakes in how I kind of structured that video and I have no issue with people kind of pointing them out. Um, I don't agree with DBZ Armin's like, like takes on Bleach. Like I think he was far too generous to it, but that's his take and this is mine and I don't think either of us are necessarily wrong um and like even like I, I you know I messaged that guy and I was like oh I saw your video and like we chatted about it and like he's a lovely guy like there is zero beef between us at all um but what happens when a video goes up like that and like this is not DBZ Armin's fault but it's kind of like um then that will kind of ignite certain portions of the internet that are just kind of like just dedicated to hating you. And it's a weird part of the job when you realize that there are places like that that do exist. Like anytime I want, like I can go to just message boards and watch people like not even pick apart my videos, but just like my motives and personality and stuff. And what I've learned is like, that's a real window to madness. 
and it's like it's kind of addictive reading that stuff as well and like seeing like um kind of what people have to say about you and like even though it's really negative it's very i don't know it's it's very it gets a reaction out of you does that make sense yeah and i think that rush is kind of addictive in a weird way which is why i think some youtubers and just you know celebrities in general can be drawn to that kind of stuff but it's also deeply deeply unhealthy and part of my job and especially like last year was learning to kind of really maintain a healthy distance from that stuff like not cut myself off from criticism because i always want to improve and i think there's certain plateaus you can't get past without external criticism whether it's like um you know no whether it's like kind of healthy or not but like you know for example like when i put a new video up like i won't read the comments for at least a couple of days because it's so intense sometimes and i had a video go up at the start of this month and it's blown up massively probably the biggest ever but i'm then that's exciting like it's good for the channel and it's good for my career and stuff but i also know like the waves of hate that are going to come from this as well are going to be intense and so i've just been kind of staying away from the internet kind of as much as i can because I'm just not really down for it, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's it is something that if I let it, it would kind of chip away at chip away at me, and it's it's kind of a point where I have to be like, I want to take on board healthy criticism, but I've also kind of got to guard my mental health here, and like guarding my mental health was like it's become like you know a kind of really important thing with this job, and it's funny because I actually got a message from um uh online they're, they're not like even a youtuber they're, they're something else and they started asking me about like they were getting to the point in their career where people were noticing them a lot and they were getting a lot of messages and they were asking me like how the fuck do you deal with this and i kind of had to explain to them like it's a skill you have to build up over time and it's a combination of like having like particular practices like websites that you're just not going to know no like go or accepting that like you don't have to reply to everyone that you don't have to answer every message and that no one owes you their time i'll reply to criticism whenever i think it's like you know fair or valid but like there's a lot of videos out there like i've seen videos where people are just like making shit up like just completely baseless and that's infuriating because like the 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 temptation is just to be like pointed out and be like no that's wrong but then you're engaging with them and I think that's nearly worse. Do you know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, like hate is just a, it's a big part of this job and kind of maintaining a wall between me and it is kind of, it's the only way I think I've been able to kind of stay sane with it because it can be just very overwhelming. Um, as for like whether the podcast gets hate, I, d- I don't know. I, th- I think I'm going to leave that up to you guys because I know how much hate I get on an individual basis and I know how much the podcast hates and they're not comparable, but they shouldn't be either. No, it's 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 a different audience or it's like a different ring of an audience, I guess, in some ways. I think the reason why the podcast would get less hate than John's videos is the barrier for entry is much larger. It's a huge commitment to yeah. listening to a podcast episode. Like it's yeah. much easier to watch a 20 minute video that's like 
edited and it's entertaining and you know you can be a dickhead afterwards but to like give two hours and 40 minutes to an audio thing that might sound a bit shit (laughs) you know like it's a harder barrier for entry so it does get way less uh, way less hate i also think the the audience we have uh is generally maybe a bit older but also they're the people who like a lot of listeners have come from John's content and they're the people who like John's content enough that they're willing to check out his other projects. So, you yeah. know, they're people who are kind of coming with the best intentions, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, totally. in mind. It's hard to imagine someone hating my videos coming to this podcast. Yeah. But hey, if you're out there, thanks for sticking around, buddy. Yeah. If, if you hate listening to this podcast and you're just seething in rage. <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, I think... You'd have to be interested in Let's Fight a Boss to listen to Let's Fight a Boss. I think if you weren't interested, you'd listen to 10 minutes and go, oh, this is boring. And you wouldn't even bother saying it was boring to us. You would just, you'd say nothing. At the start of the podcast, like when it was, when John was kind of getting bigger and we started getting a lot more listeners from that, um, and people, I guess, didn't know what political affiliation maybe John was at or leaned towards and then they kind of came to the podcast and it was what it is I got a lot of I me specifically got a lot of kind of sexist driven hate um and I had a few stuff that like upset me because it would be like I really love John and Brian in this I really hate Neve and I wish she wasn't part of it and I always found that really upsetting I think now it's the opposite <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think you're the favorite but it was like, I hope so. But like... Uh, I think we whittled out the shitlords pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, I think that was before people, again, understood what it was. Uh, so I don't get it as much. But like people just spent a lot of time trying to find different ways to contact me, like through a Tumblr and old Tumblr and stuff, just to send messages. Or people would send me messages being like, you know, I like what you talk about, but can you tone down, bring up being gay every second? And it's like... If you're not a gay person, being gay is kind of like the most important of an aspect of being a gay person. So, you know, it comes up a lot. So it's not something I'll ever, <laughs> you know, stop discussing. Or, our identity. Yeah, it informs my viewpoint consistently and it will continue to do so. But again, um, that has become less and less as I think we've kind of built our audience and people have kind of figured out what our tone is and kind mm. of what we are. And we're pretty consistent. Yeah. Except we don't like Wonderful 101. Sorry, Wonderful 101 <laughs> fans. Someone's going to be really, really upset about that. And you should be. It's You You. you uh, love that game, and that's great. It's a fantastic game, and we're broken people. <laughs> uh, I don't really go on the internet that much, or if I do, I'm just lurking. I don't really, I don't tweet. Have I, you ever been bothered by a piece of hate, Brian? Uh, when we get the same email over and over again... I don't like that. That's not really the same thing, though. No, it's not. I just like I, I get bothered by that stuff. I don't. I've. I don't. I, I. 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 I get bothered by questions that it's like, would you just not answer that yourself? I think like there's a weird like cumulative effect that happens with this stuff. Because remember, like the first time I got like a hateful comments, it was like really funny to me. Like I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this. Like yeah. I'm actually getting angry comments on your the first internet. threat. Totally. But like, you know, over the years, it just gets more and more and more. And now they just make me really tired. Like I got some email from the guy, that guy, some guy recently about like the most recent martial arts video. And he was like, um, oh, you totally ripped off this other video that I think was a video about Hong Kong cinema, maybe. 
And like I, I don't know I don't know what video he was talking about, like, but it's also like I had like four li- I had like maybe eight lines on Hong Kong cinema and it was the most basic fucking film theory take on Hong Kong cinema. Because it wasn't meant to be like its own, it wasn't meant to be its own thing. It was just meant to inform other parts of the video. Just a footnote. And like the idea that someone could be like, "You ripped off this other person," and it's like, yeah, him and every other piece of literature about Hong, and that stuff. It's just draining when you just get shit like that all the time, you know. And like to be clear, I think I do pretty well online in terms of like people liking me and stuff. Like I'm not saying that like I have it harder than a lot of creators cuz I don't. A because I'm a boy and B because like I'm agreeable in a lot of ways, but I can't imagine how hard it is for like, you know, like women online who are constantly giving their opinion or like, you know, minorities and stuff like that. And I get off super easy in that stuff and I still find it incredibly difficult. So I can't imagine what it's like for them. Yeah. I guess it's not hate, but uh, endearing names we have for each other are jokes amongst us that, like, are okay with us. Sometimes I'm like, hey, I say that to John, not you. Yeah. Brian and Eve both get pretty annoyed when when people are mean to me. Yeah, no, don't. (laughs) Which you wouldn't think from listening to this podcast. No, no, like, honestly, like, if someone's mean to my friends, I get pissed. Really bothers me and doesn't make me feel good yeah i don't like that i think we all kind of feel a, a bit like that as well like i think of one oh, of yeah. getting shit i don't know i just it brings out my mom energy yeah you have to bring out <laughs> Shh, we don't talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah never mind never mind never mind in the early days of john's videos uh i had an alternate account <laughs> Uh, that used to <laughs> fight with people who I thought were too mean to John. <laughs> I've retired. Do you remember? I, I don't need to do you it. You probably anymore. don't remember this, but years ago we kind of had a conversation, and I was, and you said something like it was really sweet. Like you were very sweet. You were like, I, I just want to protect you from these stupid idiots. And I was like, Neve, there's literally too many, and you can't, and you have to stop. And it was like sad. Yeah. Just, just too many now. Oh, yeah. I'm fine. Like I'm like I don't need protecting. I have learned to protect myself from this stuff. And it's it's just something that goes with YouTube. You know, YouTube comments are what they are. But it's, yeah, it's weird to kind of go from a normal friend reaction you would have and just be like, oh god, it's me against a a wave of voices. It's not just one dickhead picking on my friend that you can go be like, hey, what's up with that? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like it's a it's it's a it's a wave of it that you just can't do anything about. And that's sometimes sad to see. Like, I don't like when people say mean things about anyone I know. Yeah, it's, it's not a nice feeling. Don't have a YouTuber for a friend. It's very emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't advise it. Uh, and do a podcast with caution. <laughs> like, I really need to emphasize Don't like, do a podcast with someone who a year later is going to become a YouTuber. Yeah, no, don't do that. Because then you just get locked in. Yeah. Is that it? I've got I've got another thing. Do I do I do it? Go for it. Go for it, Brian. Okay. In the previous episode, and it's kind of it was a, it was an ongoing thing that someone uh, named Nadim uh, sent in an email uh, requesting I write a poem about John's body, and I was like, "That's such a great suggestion." I really really <laughs> like good suggestion emails, like. Chances are, if you send in a request or a suggestion, we're not going to do it because it's like, well, we're not your puppet. 
<laughs> but if your suggestion is like sparks an idea, I'm all up for it. So like, feel free to suggest something. We're not going to do it unless it's actually good. Nadim, you had a good idea and it was for me to write a poem. Um, so here we go. I wrote this poem for I you. I am so uncomfortable already. Like, I don't want this. <clears throat> John's Body by Brian. Moaning from the foot of the bed. No, Brian! John, okay, John, I'm going to need you to go all the way over to the other side of the room because I can't... Oh my god, he's going. Okay, John is physically walking several feet away from the microphone. Now, John, you can shout from over there, but I like I, I need you to cooperate, okay? Neil? Okay. Moaning from the foot of the bed, I peek over. Are you sure you don't want to try some yoga? I'm fine. Noises. Noises, smells, and a deep breath. I eat my chicken. Something loud, caught off guard. That's just the air coming out. <laughs> just a sec. <laughs> just a sec. <laughs> I'm crying. Okay. I'm trying to keep still, but his body excites me. <laughs> excites me. An enigma. Morbidly obese. The temperature around us is changing. He says five minutes. Lost concept of time. I remember the evening it rained. I should have gone before we left. We need to run home, please. It's pushing me inside. A forgotten name is cursed. Father smiles at us in our dressing gowns. A couple of... <laughs> A couple of happy lads? I'll be going upstairs, so... Don't mind him, sweetie. I step back from my mind, chewing on the room service. My own private show. You know I can't burp. It's been two hours. He has to make again. I overhear while I bathe. I'm fine. <laughs> are you happy are you happy Nadim <laughs> thank you Brian that was a beautiful poem <laughs> how much of that did you understand um a lot of it because you've told a lot of these stories on this podcast oh, no. so it was like a memory lane and I get it there was a nice setting you were sitting on your bed eating your chicken watching John <laughs> It was it was actually a really great poem. It brought you to a place. It was, it was a very personal. Good <laughs> you have to imagine other parts. Yeah. I want to do a bit like you know those YouTube channels where they get Grimes <clears throat> on and she has to go through all the lyrics explaining what they mean. I'd like to do that for this oh, this poem. Maybe yeah. maybe in a year or two. Oh yeah, no, it'll be a special video. Okay, I I, I might just like neaten up the text and like post it so you can read it out loud yourself without crying. Um, oh my god, that. I took some fucking damage there. I wrote that five hours ago, but I was thinking about it for a month. I believe it. I really genuinely believe it. 
I like oh. that this video game podcast has poetry as a backbone. Yeah, me too. I'm, you know, I'm always shocked with the amount of like lore. Yeah, you know I'm, what I mean? I'm really not feeling good. Yeah, I, I, I that I have some questions. Patreon shoutouts. Are you as happy as these patrons? Okay. We have a Patreon. We also have a new goal for Shenmue 2 Let's Play. Let's do it, everyone. Let's bring the magic back to life again. Um, I also have some... I was listening back... When I was editing the last couple of episodes, I was like, I keep suggesting people do crime. Like, white, like first it was crime, then it was white-collar crime. That was wrong. I'm sorry. Please don't do any of that. I now have some 100% legal ways you can support this podcast if you need to free up some money. Okay. Forget little Timmy's birthday. That's a good one. Granny lives with you? Not anymore. Nice. Stop buying brake fluid for your car. (laughs) Rover? Get rid of him. Um, with those suggestions alone you should be able to free up plenty money to support this video game podcast if you stand behind someone in the, in, in the ATM queue and go excuse me that's the Patreon money I need to give to Let's Fight a Boss yeah. they'll understand what they you will, mean yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neve what do you got basic uh, starvation perfect there you go yeah uh-huh. who needs perfect. food when you have a you podcast know, uh, sell a spare organ fast days are all in yeah Anyway, we have Patreon oh, show. Don't pay your electricity bill. John, I can't go on anymore. <laughs> I'm not doing so good. Okay. Uh, this, this first one comes from Light Spooky Boy. God wants fish. And this one is from Neon Love. God wants fish. And this is from Crantech. God wants fish. Those fucking little memeing assholes on the Discord. I f- oh I fucking hate our Discord. I swear to God, there was such way little, more. There's such little shits, and they're always doing this kind of fucking thing. And I swear to God, they're the worst portion of our fan base. And if you'd like to support, let's fight a boss. You can do so over on <laughs> patreoncom slash lfab We 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 we've, we've got the links. You just you don't you, even. You just go clickety clack. Yeah. Yeah. You know how the internet works. You don't have to type letters. You just go and tap until you get you feel happy. Yeah. Well, 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 we are the happy zone. Uh, we are the happy zone. Loot drop. I, we're done. I'm sorry, John. That poem. I'm. I'm not. I don't know how I feel about that. You revealed some very secretive moments from our past, Brian. Yep. Um. Here we go. We've got. We're tired. We're fucked up. We got presents, Neve. My presence to you is be kind. Rewind. Uh, this video is called Women and the Oscars. What's happening there? Question mark. That's not the full title, but it should be. Um, I really uh, love her channel. Uh, be Qu- Kind Rewind is a really, really great channel looking at like old Hollywood and stuff. This video specifically is kind of looking at the uh, Oscars and where are all the women? There was some great um, performances by directors and actors and they were not giving their dues. And it's just kind of looking at what films are historically 
surprised at the Oscars and kind of what this kind of long-standing problem could are uh, could be. Uh, it's an interesting video and her channel is just really great in general and honestly has way too few subscribers for the amount of work and just her cadence and love and care she puts into her content. How many subscribers does she have? Uh, it was under 400. What? Thousand. Oh, okay. Oh, we're in the thousands game here. Yeah. She makes videos. Um, But uh, yeah, it's a good stuff. Be kind, rewind. Great channel. Give it a go. Um, I got one here from Neryl. And this is Emulation, The Law and You, Where the Hobby Ends and the Crime Begins. I watched this one too. It was very good. Fucking brilliant video from a fucking brilliant YouTuber. Neryl's one of my favorite people. I get so excited when he uploads a video. And this is like a video about the legal ramifications of emulation. And yet somehow it is funny and entertaining and informative. And just very like passionate about the games industry and... I think this guy is amazing, and his this is one of the best videos he's done. Oh yeah, he makes some great points. Yeah, do 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 you have the number there? Yeah, it's one thousand. Wait, no, it's one hundred eighteen thousand subscribers. Okay, should be more. Should be way more. Okay, my tummy is making weird noises, but it's my turn. Uh, wait in the wings on YouTube: the chaotic history of Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. This is just a 40-minute video essay on the troubled production of the Broadway play Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Uh, I've seen this. John, you've seen this too? I have. It is not very good. I enjoyed it, but I love musicals. I didn't. It has Uncle Ben dying in it, and I'm fucking fed up with that shite. Did he, does Uncle Ben die? Yeah, it's just a retelling of the Sam Raimi movies. Ah, Oh, they're the ones. They're the they're the Spider-Man story where Uncle Ben dies. Yeah, <laughs> the only one. Yeah, the only ones. Uh, it came out around the same time as the Andrew Garfield reboot as well, and it just felt like there was a lot of sameness in Spider-Man, and there's lots of different ways you could tell Spider-Man, and I found it disappointing. And Bono and the Edge did the music, and I don't really like their music, and I just think. The story of how that play got made is very interesting, or the Broadway show got made is very, very interesting. Cool. Guys, I think that's going to do it. This episode really took it out of me. It took out of me too. Neva, how are you feeling? I've disassociated once it was, I heard about something pushing John from the inside, so, you know. <sighs> that, I don't want to explain, but it not. Mm. It was a burger. Let's 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 end this godforsaken episode. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Take care of yourself and have a nice day. And remember that Neve is always thinking about you. You having a bad time? I'm here thinking about how great you are specifically. Neve, what is this bit? Just you. Just how great you are. You're a powerful, strong, confident woman, and you will go out there and you will make everyone your bitch. Thanks, Neo. I appreciate that. You're welcome, Brian. <laughs>